Five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, that's loud, isn't it? Loud, yeah. I just thought that was the new mixing desk. Mm. Right, it's almost Inquisition time. <laughs> it is. By Tutatis. Episode 95 on Saturday, the 17th of August. I'm Armish Phil. Armish Ben's here. I imagine the carrot was my penis. <laughs> and Armish Matt's back. Hello, Armish Matt. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Back from your, back from sabbatical. Back from my maternity leave. <laughs> I heard the ratings had fallen off a cliff, so I thought I'd best come <laughs> back before we lost any more sponsors or gained any more. <laughs> no, as soon as you heard we had a sponsorship offer, you were straight back on it. It lit a, it Funny lit, that. It lit a fire underneath me. So how's the uh, how's fatherhood times two um, going? Started off uh, well. Started off well. Um, the initial fear wasn't there as much. I thought, I can handle this. I know what's going on. And then um, went back to work after three weeks and he started to cry a lot and was very unsettled. All the time? Well, not so much all the time, but when he tried to put him down and more often than the other one did. Right. So. One in body contact a lot. Wait, but yeah, very clingy. But that's what that's that's quite normal in the first three months, isn't it? Mm. But also, but it is it, a little bit more than that. I think in that he wouldn't he wouldn't even sleep without being held basically through the night. <sighs> that that went on for a couple of months. Yeah. Um, but eventually we we went to the doctors and got him some Gaviscon. <laughs> basically, got him some Gaviscon. Right, some infant Gaviscon. And that's uh, sorted him out. Basically. Right, so I think it's heartburn type stuff, do they? Yeah, well, reflux. Reflux, acid exactly, reflux. Exactly the same, yeah. So, you know, when they're born, apparently he was he, he was a risk, had all three risk factors, which is being a boy is one. The acid reflux, this is, in babies. Right. Um, being preterm, because he was in, he was, and being a cesarean as well. So he was, because he was a cesarean, he was born a week early, preterm. A week? A week early, yeah. So he classed it as a risk factor. Yeah. And also, because he, he don't get squeezed through the birth canal, yep. apparently that they say that that has something to do with like kickstarting the uh, digestive system. Oh, you know, squeezing when he comes out. Well, we did do that out of frustration. It didn't really work, to be honest with you. But basically what happens is, is the uh, sphincter around the top of the stomach isn't very... Of the mother. Of the uh, baby <laughs> isn't very... Uh, uh, well formed, so it basically it gets leaky. So when you put him down, the milk and acid leaks out of his stomach. bum leaking. No, his stomach, oh. other end. What's that got to do with sphincter? The sphincter is just a name for a muscle that's in a circle, isn't it? Oh right, not that you're not talking about the asshole. No, I'm talking about the anal sphincter. No, Phil. I didn't know there was more than one. Yeah, there's. You got sphincters all over your body. Right, such as the anal sphincter. Yeah, I'm not. And the familiar. stomach and the stomach sphincter. 
Right, so that's in the top of the stomach, top above the, stomach. the uh, you know where this. Oh right, so this stops the acid coming from your stomach up your gullet. Correct, Amundo. Right. When you're lying down, got you. So you know, if you're a baby mm. and that's not well formed, then you get acid in your throat. Right, and you fucking cry all the time. So they're very sad. Well, they figured that that's that out. That's what it was. Well, we don't know. You, you never know, do you? It could be anything. I mean, the other thing is he got better around about just before three months and apparently that's when they change. So they say, because I, like we, we've talked about this a lot on this, that babies are born prematurely in humans. Yep. So the um, first three months post-birth, postpartum, <laughs> are uh, they're still developing, aren't they, basically? So it's... <laughs> I hate saying this, but it's like the fourth trimester. But it's not a trimester, is it? What's like the four? What's four? Three's trimester, isn't it? Quad? Quadmester. <laughs> Quimester. Quagonjinmester. Quagmire. Yeah. So basically, the fourth quagmaster <laughs> um, is when they develop a lot. So, you know, they get a lot more settled, don't they, at three months, basically. Yeah. So they develop a lot more sleep changes. They get more accustomed to daytime and nighttime and all the rest of it. Right. But now he's like a couple of weeks ago. He just started smiling, being really happy, um, and like completely changed. Started he started sleeping from like seven till half two most nights. Um, he's a little bit unsettled in between that, but can't argue. You know, it's been last few weeks has been really good. That's like seven hours, seven eight hours. It's yeah. It's what is that? So it's five to. Seven till two. It's seven hours, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it's a big chunk. And then he'll have a feed then, and then he sleeps again. No, sometimes he'll sleep for until about ten to six after that. Right, um, and that's when they all get up. Don't matter what what age they are, ten well, to six every day. He, no, he's up at uh, seven. The other oh, one, right. he gets up at seven. Well, he doesn't get. He doesn't actually wake get, up. Doesn't get out of bed. He wakes up. I don't know what time he wakes up. Sometimes <laughs> if he's got a cough, I know he's awake. So he starts coughing like he has at the moment. Um. And he just he either sings at the top of his voice in bed, which he stopped doing recently, and now he takes a toy to bed and he just plays quietly with his toy in bed. He won't get out of bed until I open the door or his mum opens the door for him. Right. Well, he can't get, he can't open the door though, can he? Because he's got high handles. He can't open the door, but he, he doesn't get out of bed. Right. He could. He could. He's capable of switching on a light and playing with him and his toys and in toys the in the room. Yeah, but he doesn't. Right. I wonder what he does. So he sings. Sometimes he sings, but um, his mum shouted at me quite a lot for that because he really <laughs> sings. So like at the top of his lungs at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and he does it louder and louder and louder until someone tells him to sh- shut up and then he, and then we get him out of bed. And then, um, but now he's like the last few weeks, I don't know if it's because of the baby and we've all said, you know, be quiet. Mm. Baby's here, you got to be quiet, gentle and all that nonsense. That... Um, He's just been like playing quietly for like two hours in the morning or whatever. If he wakes up at five or half five, it's great. That I know, I don't know. Yeah, so it's a big uh, upheaval for the first child when it is. baby number two comes along because yeah, they're not the center of the universe anymore. No, he tries his best to be the center of the universe. Like yeah, that. I'm sure they all do. He so watches a lot more iPad. Yeah, at the moment. That happened with ours. Yeah. So, you know, that's been a great parent. Well, you, you, your attention is divided by two instead of one. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's... Imagine having 19 kids. No. <laughs> you know, it's like... 
There's only so much of you to go around, isn't there? Exactly, yeah. So that's inevitable, I think. It is inevitable. The tablet, tablet time. Tablet time, yeah. I think the the, the one thing that we did earlier in his life was in the morning, like when, there were, when he was like two, maybe around that kind of age, he's only three and a half now, but we gave him a tablet. Like he'd wake up dead early, like half five or six. I would say, all right, just have the tablet for an hour. And then what happened is the next day he'd wake up a little bit earlier. Uh-huh. And then the next day a little bit earlier. And like he was getting up at five. So basically said, right, you're not watching the tablet anymore. <laughs> and he started sleeping again. He just took it out and he started sleeping <coughs> again until seven, around about seven. Right. So yeah. was he getting tired in the evenings earlier when that was happening? No. Going to bed earlier? No. No, so he's just losing sleep. Mm, so Weird. Yeah, so he's basically, he still has a nap. If we like go in a car somewhere, like midday, he'll sleep for an hour. Or, you know, if we can still, if he falls asleep in the car, I can carry him out of the car, put him down and he'd sleep for an hour or two hours sometimes. Our youngest still does that with mm. the car. Yeah. Particularly, yeah, if it's middle of afternoon or something. He definitely is. going to school in September. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have sleepy, sleepy corner first year. Uh, they'll need it for him. No. Yeah, well, that's my my brother in law was like that. He used to, but he started. They went to private school. My wife and mm. her brother, and they started preschool at you know like school at three, basically. Right. And she, my wife, can just remember him walking home because he and crying all the way home because he was just absolutely knackered. He just wanted to go to bed. He was power fagged. Yes. Yeah. So I bet they did it at three. Well, he's, mine's three, but yeah, he kind of just stopped napping now, really. Mm. But he, he could probably still have an hour in the middle of the day and still sleep like 11 hours at night, definitely. But with him, no matter how much he slept in the day, it never really impacted how much he slept at night. Right. So always kind of slept about half seven till around about half six, seven. And that's it. Yeah. And then sometimes he like sleeps three hours in the day. <laughs> As long as it doesn't affect the night sleeping, it doesn't really no. matter, does it? No, it doesn't. I don't think. <coughs> How's the world of um, cognitive behavioural therapy? Don't know. I'm a, I'm a psychological well-being practitioner. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not a CBT therapist. Are you not? No. I have to train. I have to do What's some separate training for that. All right. Well, technically, um, I'm not even a therapist. <laughs> we're not. We're not... What we do is not deemed therapy. <laughs> okay. Not, because what we do is something called guided self-help. It's not therapy. Right. Um, there's a difference. Yeah. Um, mainly being that we're not trained in CBT. <laughs> we're just <laughs> trained in low-intensity CBT. All right. So is yeah. that the next rung on the ladder then? High-intensity therapy is called within the IAP framework, yes. Yeah. A lot of acronyms there for you. I guess you're sort of more like the first port of call then, is it? And then if you fail, if you referred up. If you don't get better, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. It depends what they want to do. You know, sometimes, you know, it's just pointless. So <laughs> you get referred elsewhere or whatever. Or just... Why would it be pointless? Well, sometimes they're like, they don't want to see anybody else afterwards. Because you always ask, you always say, do you want any more therapy? And sometimes they say, yeah, sometimes they say no. Even if they're still scoring... Uh, clinically, in inverted commas, we would say. How do you measure that? On the, questionnaires. Pa- the patient health questionnaire and the generalized anxiety disorder questionnaire. So those two questionnaires are 
you have to be with a certain threshold to come into the service and have therapy. So you have to right. score over what's considered caseness or clinically relevant is a score, the PH, PHQ-9 of 10 or above. A maximum of 20. A maximum, what? Maximum of 20. 27. 27. So it's zero to three on nine questions. And then on the GAD-7, it's zero to three on seven questions. You have to be over eight and above to be considered clinically relevant or clinically anxious it seems like questionnaires are the only way the only diagnostic tool of mental health well it's the only one that you can really put through um statistical analysis basically so like the mass and you can put the probability values against it see how much is you know, is not down to sort of randomness people getting better the actual therapy so like as a service uh, when it was piloted, it's only um, our target for recovery is 50%. Right. So people getting scoring below um, those thresholds, basically. Yeah. They come in over and go out under. Yeah. But the problem is, is people don't come into the service until they're really, really ill. Right. So it's very rare. We're, we basically were set up to see mild to moderate people, which was, we considered like a score of like mild is five to like, 10 i think five, 10 or 12 on the phq9 right and on the um gad it's probably around about like uh five to ten well maybe a bit more a bit less sorry on that gad um but we never see people however if you get somebody in and that he scores say like 12 on the phq9 it's just over and then like 10 on the gad seven gad seven then they will always recover because you'll always get somebody to move like a couple th of points, three or four points. Yeah. But if you get somebody's like scores 27 and 21, very rare. Sometimes they do because sometimes people just say three, 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 three for everything because they just, they're overwhelmed and they don't yeah, really don't know, what to, don't know what to put. Yeah, basically. But yeah, so it's a, it's a bit weird. Do you have the scores in front of you when you're talking to them? Well, they do it. In they have to do it every session. Well, they do it to you. Oh, right. Every so they fill, in, they fill in the questionnaire in every session, yeah. Right. Basically. So it's not just that, but basically those are the ones that they have to get recovery in. Mm -hmm. So in the minimum data set, there's something called the IAP phobia scale. All right, yeah. Which basically asks you um, if you would avoid certain situations. Yeah. So the first one's something like, would you avoid social situations in case you embarrassed yourself or made a fool of yourself. Definitely not. <laughs> Something like that. The second one is, would you avoid a situation? What would you Something like a situation where you panicked, had a panic attack or other distressing symptoms. Another yes or no answers? Or is no. that a score, like no. one to five? Yeah, so right. it's like how much I you would agree. avoid. I strongly agree. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, it's zero, you would not avoid it. Right. Eight, you would always avoid it. Yeah. And then in between, it's like two is like slightly. Might avoid it. Four, definitely. Um, six, markedly. Yeah. So you imagine a lot, a lot of people will go down the middle. Because uh, those ones, it's honestly, how you interpret the question. Those ones, it's either the average score zero to like three or like six to eight. Mm. Never really kind of four and five on those ones. And then the other last one is the work and social adjustment scale. 
which is basically asking how he, the way you feel impacts on work, home life, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Have you ever had someone get full marks? All the time. Really? Yeah, because people don't... When someone's ill and they're like, they've got loads of other things going on, they just think that, that you know they're in the worst state ever. So they just put three and eight to everything, basically. When if you actually talk to them, so say for example, there's a question on the the PHQ nine, which is something around. Have you is it, have you has anybody else noticed that you move around? Um, sorry, if you speak or move more slowly than you used to do, or if you move around or fidgety. Okay, so sometimes when people get clinically depressed, they will literally they've been really depressed for like years and whatever. They will literally move really really slowly so they'll get up out of bed like and walk really slowly and really slowly and really slowly or they'll just be constantly on edge like fidgeting 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 moving around and you when you're talking to people you can tell that that's not and they score like three to it and they're not they're not basically so you know it's open to interpretation that is a very rare thing to happen to somebody so most people should basically score zero to that but they never do Like turn into Eeyore. Yeah, basically. Well, that's true. Have you never have you never heard that about uh, Winnie the Pooh? Characters all and they're all mental health disorders, yeah. aren't they? So like Tigger's, what is he? ADHD. Yeah. Eeyore's depression. Yeah. Piglet is anxiety. Yeah. Rabbit is OCD. Yes. And Pooh is. What would Pooh be? Bipolar. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what poo is. Mm. What about an eating disorder? <laughs> Maybe, yeah, it is. I think it is, you know. Is it? Oh, yeah. I've got a rumbly in my tumbly. Yeah. Eating so much she shits through an eye of a needle. Right. Yeah, yeah I had that somewhere. Maybe it was a meme or something. Yeah. So, yeah. But the other thing is, is those are, are just classic stereotypes of people, aren't they, basically? They're yeah. embodied in... Um, animals or whatever so it is just a reflection of society which would then pick up on these kinds of very common men's health disorders yeah they're very much caricatures aren't they mm-hmm. taken yeah. to the extreme yeah speaking of disney i saw uh aladdin uh, recently did you what how many mats would you give it Ooh. oh no, <laughs> oh, no. It, it got quite good reviews as well it never it did yeah why why? I don't know. People said it was all. People thought it was going to be shit, but they said it was actually all right. And I think it was getting three or four mats in the media. Oh God! Was it bad? The first half an hour, I thought um, they've spent no money on it. Really? And uh, the acting's terrible. It was like a hundred and fifty million dollar film, I think. See what you think of the first half an hour, and then it gets a bit better. Did you watch it in like HDR or something? High dynamic rate, oh, no. like four. No, no, right. Sometimes that makes you look a bit shit. Um, Will Smith was phoning it in in large chunks. Was he? Oh yeah, not even. The problem is, is that I don't think anyone can follow no, Williams. Yeah. That's the thing. But the other thing is, is we watched that at the right age, didn't we? Is it nineteen ninety two? It came out. Or something? I think the adults got more jokes than the kids. Yeah, in the Robin Williams. You know. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? But we, I, I can always remember watching that and 
watching and laughing my tits off at the at the uh, the, the soundtrack. Yeah, is not songs. it's not as good. All right, musically the way it's produced. Mm. Um, the, Will the Smith can't sing. The other thing is as well <laughs> that Disney have done this year. If they've re- they've re- released first, it was Dumbo, wasn't it? Then Aladdin, then The Lion King. So they released three live-action remakes of animated... In a couple of years. In a year. There's oh. all since It's not even been a year, so eight months into the year. So within eight months, they released those three films. You'd think they'd spread them out, wouldn't you? Mm. So it's like that saturation thing as well, I think. That they blame uh, the Star Wars failure of the last film. Han Solo, yeah. Disney came out and said it's, yeah, it's, it's audience fatigue. Mm. It was, you know, it's, it's not. It's, it's the last Star Wars film was shit. Yeah, it was. That's why people didn't go see Solo. Compared to the ones. It was okay. I think it was like, I think it, I've tried to watch it a second time twice. And you can't get through it. I can't get through. I can get through about half an hour. I think, I think it took me three sittings to get through it. There is some positive Star Wars news this week. What's that? Ewan McGregor. It's happening. Oh, it's, it, but it's a TV show, isn't it? On Disney+. Plus. To get the good enough writers in, it can be better. Look at Breaking Bad, Sopranos. Well, there's loads of Marvel ones been announced, hasn't there? There's loads of Marvel, but the Marvel ones are shit. The shit soap operas for teenage boys. <laughs> they are the soap operas. Yeah. Um, it's not. If it was gritty, is it like Dawson's Creek? But this is the thing. Obi Obi Wan Kenobi won't be gritty. That's what I'm saying. It can be. I know, it could it, be. It has it potential. Be. It should be, shouldn't it? He should have yeah. got his own film, really. Well, that was the plan originally. But because the last two Star Wars films have flunked, I think mm. Solo lost money. They do. Yeah. Or um, only in film sales. Probably when you combine combine DVDs and toys and all the rest of it, it'll be a, you know probably classic successful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's going to be a TV show, but I'm I'm not worried about that. I think it still could be good. I know sometimes those films, those big blockbusters like that, they have to make like close to a billion for it to be worth a while kind of thing. Because like say they spent 150 million making it 200 million, then they like spend that again marketing it. And you're like, yeah, half a billion, aren't you, before you even mm. it makes any sense. Yeah. There's, it's, it's ridiculous, it's isn't it? Difficult for sort of more arty films to get in a look in now, isn't it? Definitely. Because yeah. the film companies have got guaranteed bankers, haven't they? But the the other thing is is Marvel and remakes. Yeah, and but the other thing for sequels. That's where sort of like Netflix and Amazon come in. In that they'll pay for um, those kinds of things, like Roma and things like that. Black Mirror. Well, that was I mean, heard about Netflix have started cancel. Well, they've cancelled the OC. What's the OC? That one where they got to the last episode. Spoiler alert! And it was a TV show. The OA. OA. Sorry, not the OC. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about early two thousands TV yeah. drama because you said Dawson's Creek. Yeah, you went to the OC. Yeah. <laughs> I used to like the OC. Fuck. <laughs> oh. Nisha Barton, Nisha Fancier. She's like a stick insect. She was fit. So and, the, and the brunette one was nice, wrong. isn't it? I don't, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's the been, it's been cancelled. The, the OC has been cancelled. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Um, they, the OA. Never, no. So apparently, Why? 
Um, I don't know. I think because it mustn't have got enough views, basically. It mm. wasn't as good as the first series, though, was it? I don't know. Probably not. No, it wasn't. Um, so I think that was the issue as well. I still think it's one of the the ten best things on telly. Remote, yeah, in easily years. maybe top five. Mm-hmm. That's on at the minute. You've got you've got Game of Thrones is finished now. You've got yeah. Stranger Things. Yeah. OA. Um. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not got a bottle opener this side. Oh, here we go. Um, yeah, but apparently they've gone on a big spree of cancelling TV shows in their third season, Netflix, recently. Mm. I was reading an article about it, but I can't remember the other ones that they've done. There's a couple of there. as well. There was like, um, oh, that, uh, there was one that the Wachowski sisters, um, it's not funny, yeah. Um, made and it was like they were all kind of gender f- they weren't gender fluid were they they were kind of it was like LBG, LBTQ yeah LGBTQIA yeah in plus plus they're all, they all like all different so it was like a transgender person a gay guy a black guy was it a comedy <laughs> nothing to do with LBGT um, no, drama TV. They series. all had powers, but then they could all kind of. It was weird, and then they could all morph into each other, and then like <laughs> at certain points, they all started have having sex, and then it turned into gang bangs, and it was all weird. It was very strange. But anyway, that got cancelled after a season, and there was an uproar, or maybe two seasons of it. Sensate, it was called. Right. Oh, Sensate. Yes. yes, I seen it on Netflix, but I've not watched it. It was okay. The first series was okay of it, and then it got a bit weird. And then um, there's an uproar, and then they basically brought it back for like a one hour, one off, two hour special, and they like brought it to a conclusion quickly. Right. Yeah. There's uh, there's something uh, on Netflix at the minute called The Family, which is supposed to be good. Is this about the church or something? Something to do with the church? The like shadow government. Yeah. Infiltrated by hardline right Christians. Is it, are they Catholics or any? Yeah, I imagine they'd be proddies. No, I, I, don't, I don't know. Or is it American? Yeah. All right. No, I've just seen the thing. I'm not, I'm not. It's it, supposed to be good. I'm not. I've probably, oh God. I want to watch, um, I watched the uh, next series, season two of Mindhunters on. I quite like the, it was okay the first season, but it's a bit psychology, isn't it? So I like to watch that. Yeah. It's about profiling people. I, um, I fucking don't watch out now. Hardly anything. Well, I, I did start to read, didn't I? Oh, yeah. I brought my book with me that I read in at two in in chunks at two o'clock in the morning whilst I was holding <laughs> a sleeping baby. What's it called? The book is called "The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat," but it's a very famous uh, psychology text. But it's only let's have a look. It looks about two eighty pages. It's about I think two thirty. Um, less actually, 223 pages long mm-hmm. and I'd recommend anybody to read it because it's just dead interesting and easy to read. But the two things I wanted to... Is it a novel? No, <laughs> it's like uh, case studies. Right. So there's this, this famous guy called Oliver Sacks. Well, he's not famous, famous in psychology circles. Mm. But <laughs> when I was in, uh, when I was on, uh, 
driving home one day on Radio 4. They do the obituaries, don't they, on a Friday. And he was one of them, so he must be quite famous. Right. Um, but anyway, this is the author. Yeah, Oliver Sacks, he's called. And basically, he, in the 80s, he wrote this book, and it was because nobody at that point was writing um, sort of case studies anymore, that lived experience. So it's all about cognitive psychology at that point and making psychology into a science. So there's been lots of different waves in psychology, basically. So it was like uh, Freud and psycho... Psychoanalysis. Psycho that's the one. And it was behaviorism. And then it was kind of cognitive behavioral therapy, behaviorism. <laughs> and then it was a cognitivism... Mm. And now it's kind of into the th something else. I can't remember what. But, so he was kind of fighting against that a little bit to talk about lived experience a little bit more. Right. And also to combat this kind of mind-body dualism. So the separation of the mind from the body. So could treat the, the mind as a separate entity, basically. That's not the same thing. That's not right now, though, is it? What's that? It is linked. They, um, are, they aren't separate. Well, this is the thing. So, uh, in people life, people like to say the mind is a separate thing from the body. But he was arguing against that essentially. And this is what a lot of his stories are about. So, how the brain is connected to how the do you, mind. How do you explain the placebo effect? I don't know. If there's no connection. I don't know. That's what I mean. You put in a message into the consciousness that has a physical reaction in the body. Yeah, but it was. See, this is where the, the cognitive psychology comes in. Where it's very scientific that. Trying mm. to turn it into a science, basically, and you know, it's, you can't really. But there was what two. You, you've opened a page. I have. I've turned down the pages of two. Well, there was there two was three things actually. I'll start with the first one, shall I? So the first one is: Have you ever heard of something called pro prior perception? Pro prior perception. 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 Sorry. Pro prior perception. Yeah. So, it sounds like uh, precognition. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? But it's not. Um, so I'd never heard of that before, but basically in um, in the joints in your body, you have nerves that are feeding back to your brain. And basically there's sort of sensors at every joint and it feeds back to your brain. So it's feeding back there. And um, it basically tells you, <laughs> let's make it worse, doesn't it? On the floor. Right, there we go. No. I'm hoping it's not me. It must be you. Anyway, so it basically you have these sensors at every joint in your body. And what it does is it feeds back at all points to your brain where each limb is, basically. So so you know, you know, when I've just moved my hand forward like that, I knew that my hand instinctively was in front of my body, basically. Yeah. And I also know that I'm sat on this chair... And I know my feet are touching the floor and the saddle is slightly angled up, basically. So all of that information is being fed back from the joints up to the nervous system through your spine into your, into your brain, basically, and, you, and you're perceiving that. So basically this woman, um, she had an infection in her nervous system and it ended up um, destroying all of these uh, receptors in her joints. And basically, I shouldn't laugh, but she... Um, it destroyed all that that feedback for her. She, yeah. she basically felt like she had no body. She was totally conscious. Um, she, you know, perfectly fine in, in sort of mental capacity and things like that. Right. 
But because she, all of that had been destroyed by this infection, she felt like she was just floating. She was <laughs> just a, a, a mind, basically. Oh, my God. I, it's quite hard to get your, mind, your head around it, <laughs> yeah. really, isn't it? Because it's just so innate that yeah. you, you feel that your body's there. But all of that information had been destroyed for her. Fucking hell. So, but she, apparently she made a, a recovery. So they taught her somehow to, even though she could never sort of feel anything ever again, she basically learned to walk again. She learned to eat. She learned to talk. What happened to start this condition off? Just an infection. An in infection. In the nervous system, Bloody yeah. Hell. And it attacked, it attacked those receptors in her body. Right. Basically. That's weird. Mm. What was it called? Pre? Pre, prior perception, I think. Perception. Perce I keep calling it perception. I mean, I don't know if it is perception or perception. Mm. She's called it chapter three, the disembodied lady. Let's have a look. 42. Talk among yourselves. Oh, pro prior. Pro There we go. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, pro prior Sorry, not pre prior <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, that's pretty fucked up, isn't it? It gets you thinking, doesn't it? Well, what's the implication of that? That your mind's connected to your body, isn't it, basically? Yeah. Well, I, I thoroughly believe that. Hmm? I don't think they're separate. No. No. It's like, like I said, the placebo effect, but there are other examples, I think. No, oh, there's loads. Well, this entire book's about it as well. Now, have you ever heard of something called aphasia and agnosia? No. So aphasia, let me get that right. Yeah, he was with Talisa, weren't he? And, uh, yes. So that's, a solid crew. That's aphasia. So aphasia is um, basically when you have brain damage so through a stroke or something else and it damages the language centers in your brain and you can no longer recognize words or you can't find the right word. I'm pretty sure that's that one. So you can't read? It depends. Check different for different people. There's yeah. a long list of aphasias basically. Agnosia is when it attacks a different part of your brain but you can't recognize things essentially okay so you wouldn't you wouldn't know that that's a microphone for example and it's like there's is that a memory then because you can't remember that you when it's that not a microphone. no because your memory's fine so it's the fact that you you can't you can't distinguish a thing uh, <laughs> as if you chuck a chicken at him it depends you might know that that's a chicken but you might not oh so you don't lose it's only certain things that you can't remember. Certain things. Not everything. Sometimes, yeah, if it, if it develops over time, yeah, so everything. So eventually you wouldn't recognise anything. Yourself. The floor. Anything, yeah. <laughs> what is the floor? Yeah. What's that giant ball in the sky? Well, it, it all What's a ball? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So it, it de <coughs> depends on which neurons are destroyed, basically, right. that hold that information. And is it a progressive condition potentially um depends what it's causing it so you know if it is like kind of vascular dementia or progressive dementia mm. or if it's like it's like some famous stuff where people have had injuries like in like the uh, 19th century like there's one a guy had like um it was doing something like laying railroads and he had a, an iron bar through shot through his under his jaw and through his brain <laughs> And they managed to get it out and he survived, but Holy he had shit. It was ag agnostic, agnostic. <coughs> had some kind of agnosia. <coughs> he couldn't recognize things. It's mental. Yeah. But 
in this one, this particular one, it's called the presidential speech, right? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> president of who? Wakanda. <laughs> it was Ronald Reagan was doing a speech, basically. So, oh right, was, this this the the doctor was going down the aphasic ward where they they kept all these people together, and he could hear all these people laughing in um um watching his speech on on the thing. He couldn't figure out why, and he kind of thought about it. And essentially, what it was was. Um, I probably struggled to explain this, but um, because they had this kind of aphasia and agnosia. Hang on. The people who were laughing were, were aphasic. And they were all watching a presidential speech on telly. And laughing their heads off at it. All in the same place. Right, yeah. got you. Okay. So um, what you kind of, as their kind of dementia or whatever was progressing, they become a tonally aphasic and agnosic. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, the couldn't. So basically, these some of these people he explained it in that the family <coughs> couldn't understand that they were they were um, had ag- agnosia because when you asked them a question, they could say, "Yeah, that's a chair." They could talk about things, but what you had to do was remove all tone, essentially. So all of the kind of mannerisms or pointing to things mm. or how your inflections and stuff like that. Um, and if he managed to do that, and basically what they had to do is say, he gives the example of the computer on Star Trek. So this is written in the 1980s. I can't remember what the computer sounded like on the 60s Star Trek or in the films or whatever. But basically if you used to, so say for example, probably like, um, what's his face, his voice that died recently? guy Stephen Hawking that kind of voice if you used that they wouldn't be able to understand that language because there was no tone to it there was no kind of raising and pauses yeah. and things like that it was just that monotone so you wouldn't <laughs> understand it um but anyway getting back to this so basically they were watching this speech and they could tell that he was lying basically so what he was saying and his mannerisms because he was an actor yeah. you could tell he was putting it on and that's why they were laughing at him basically wow so yeah, that was quite interesting. You could sense he was an actor. Yeah, that's bizarre. Well, he was just lying basically on the stage. Lying. Yeah, on the stage. So he's pretending. So they said, yeah, he said that you can't lie to people who had this kind of wow. agnosis, tonal agnosia, because they'll just figure you out as soon as you're not talking naturally. They just yeah. they sense something's wrong because that's they like a superpower. <laughs> if you just had that isolated, yeah, yeah, what an advantage that would be. Mm. Or for everyone else. There's loads of interesting stories in it. There's another one about some twins that... Um, That's me, sorry, go on. There's another one about twins and they had like severe autism. Mm. And this, um, basically they oh, they could tell you any prime number and they found it weirdly satisfying. And it, because they couldn't, they weren't very good at explaining themselves. They... Um, um, couldn't you couldn't ever really tell how they were figuring out so basically they thought um or most theories had said they were quite famous apparently in the 70s in america because they're on tv shows because they just could like recite these numbers and and, like really long numbers and things pi to yeah all that kind of stuff um and what they said all they kept saying is we can see the numbers but what they this other some other people said is that they did figured out some kind of algorithm a simple algorithm something about (laughs) 
you you could figure it out doing something with the remainder. I don't know. I, I didn't mm. understand it. Um, but what they did to them was really quite sad. They would so eventually figured out they were basically what happened is they would come and sit at a table in like the the common room, and they'd be whispering numbers to each other, and then they'd be <laughs> laughing and like really enjoying it. And anyway, he figured out what they were saying to each other was um, prime numbers. So I don't know what's a prime number. I know what a prime number is. You know, can't you can only divide be divided by, by itself from one? Yeah. So he basically had this book. He went he figured that out, and they were just doing double digit prime numbers, I think, and maybe triple digit. And he said, um, like he said, like it's not probably not a prime number, but he would say. 689,123 or something like that and they would like sit there for like half an hour and then the next one would say like one million da, 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 da. and he'd look it up in this book and in fact he got number. to the point where the book couldn't tell him the prime numbers anymore it ran out or whatever Fuck. and they were all prime numbers and then like the next lad would say Two million, da, 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 da. they'd ramp it up. Yeah, and then and so they were getting a, a bigger kick out of a bigger number. Yeah, but they hadn't until he suggested these bigger numbers. They hadn't. No, they'd stuck to two yeah. and three digits. Yeah. So he's yeah, he sort of made them work. Not made them worse, but he's. Well, he kind of got into their world basically, mm. and then this is what's quite sad is that there was this kind of push in the eighties. Basically, everybody was um, hospitalized in asylums and hospitals and things. If you had like. Well, autism like that yeah. and basically instead of what they did is they said because of this weird relationship they wouldn't really do anything without each other they wouldn't talk except to each other um they separated them in the 80s at some mm. point and like got them like these menial jobs and the, apparently they lost this ability to oh, to do never. this and like he, he was quite sad about it really because it was this big push in the 80s to get everybody treated in the community rather than being put in hospital essentially right. And then the last thing about it was the language, which I kind of, I think I messaged you guys about on our uh, WhatsApp group, was... Um, so wait, when was it written? Mid-80s. Mm. Particularly, it was mainly to do with people with like learning disabilities. That's what you call it today. Yeah, so um, he calls it here. I've never heard this word before. I don't know, I might have done. He says, so this is like chapter part four, the world of the simple, he calls it. So it says, um, when I started working with retardates, I think that's how you pronounce it, several years ago, I thought it would be dismal. And I wrote this to Luria. Luria is like um, another researcher that does this kind mm. of thing. And then he says, to my surprise, he replied it in the most positive terms and said that there were no patients in general more dear to him and that he counted his hours and years in the, at the Institute of Defectology among the most moving and interesting of his entire professional life. Um, and then he expresses a similar sentiment in the preface um, to his first, to the first of his clinical biographies, speech and the development of mental processes in the child. Um, so yeah, and then he goes all the way through, you know, like that kind of language and being open about sort of not wanting to work with people with like learning disabilities. I'm just wondering, you know, if people would it get published today? Yeah. And there's like other other kinds of things how he refers to like people and I think he refers to somebody has some kind of um, condition where the face is not what you would call normal, right? And he he, he says it might describes him as grotesque or something like that. Oh my God! Or like the fingers are, are short and it makes them look. I know and compares it, you know, like 
not very nicely to things. And I'm just wondering, how, uh, and I think I said anything, I'm just wondering whether that has been cleaned up, you know, in the... Of course it has. Do you think it would have been re-edited, that? Um, retard has been gone <laughs> gone for five years, I would say. Well, I think longer than that. Do you not think? Yeah. Uh, I think it's more recent than that. Uh, I bet there's like... What's the difference between retard and retard eight? I think... Is retard eight just the, the full word? No, I think that's talking about somewhat a person a who is retarded. Right, okay. Because retard can just be... Um, well, it's French, isn't it? Re- retard. On, on retard. Yeah, the, the icebergs is it not are just retarded. <laughs> <laughs> is it not slow? <laughs> oh, it's probably too long, long. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, it has anyway, more than one meaning. I would, re- I would recommend this book to anybody. I probably should have talked about um, the title story, shouldn't I? The man who mistook his wife for a hat. Mm. Um, which is basically about a guy who mistook his wife for a hat. <laughs> is that it? Yeah. So, But essentially, <laughs> it, it worked in um, a music school in New York. Um, and he, it was, I think he was a singer. And he could still sing beautifully. And like this guy, you know... Uh, the neurologist wrote the book, you know, it's one of these people, I think he's like a polymath. So he's like really into music and things like that. One of those types. Yeah. And he, he, he commented on him saying he could still sing, you know, amazingly. And his knowledge of music hadn't ever kind of diminished, but he couldn't um, recognize anything basically. So sometimes he would mix up, you know, what a chair was, his wife for a hat, things like that essentially. We're all, all very interesting about what you know, how your brain and if it goes wrong, how it impacts you. Yeah, I worry about um, medication for these sorts of things. Fucking around with brain chemistry, it's mm. like, don't know how comfortable I am with that. Well, there's a lot of things in here about people who have epilepsy, and that's really medication basically cures people. Yeah, um, who have the seizures. And does the medication change the brain chemistry? It must it. do, surely. I think, I can't remember if it's, he explained something in there. There's a particular drug that he used or they might not use anymore. And it slowed down the, like the neurons firing basically, I think. So it's, assuming a seizure, they, they speed up, I don't know, or they just fire wrongly. I don't know. You don't hear about it these days like you used to. What's that? Epilepsy. It well, was huge in the nineties, wasn't it? Well, I think it's more widely treated now. I see. Yeah, I speak. That's what I mean, I think we've we've largely retarded its existence. <laughs> yeah. So I think they've. Uh, I think it's well controlled with medication. Yeah. Mm. I speak to a lot of people who have epilepsy. Do you remember, like, in the nineties when they started putting the warnings on everything? Oh yeah, this contains flash photography. Sometimes did you not still do that on the news? This contains strobing effects. Mm. You know, they didn't that. You know, I would say in the eighties that didn't exist. It seemed to just no. explode out of nowhere. Epilepsy. Mm. The way that's the way I remember it anyway. Mm. But yeah, it's pretty much nearly gone. Yeah, along with another disease this week. What's that? Um, Ebola. What about it? Big Ebola news this week. Well, have you cured Ebola? Essentially, have they? Um, it was um as two they were doing two trials trialing two drugs, mm-hmm. and one of them, if it was early administered, 
Um, well, it's ninety percent recovery. Ninety-five, is eighty-nine to ninety-five. All right, I'd say ninety percent. Yeah, the Briefly. range was this. They quoted and the study was between eighty. Well, they stopped it short. You see, they stopped the trial short to implement it because they were that confident. Yeah, right. Which is quite unorthodox. Rare. Yeah, yeah. Because of probably all sorts of legal because it's, issues. Because it's, it's, it's out. It's um, uh, coming about again, isn't it? I remember. It's a vi- is it a virus though? It's Ebola? a virus, yeah. So you can't cure a virus, as far as I understand. No, we need Benny, don't we? Vaccines prevent mm. viruses, but I don't think you can cure a virus. But anyway, it's positive news. Mm. Well, that's the thing as well about a vaccine. Is it a very strange? Because <coughs> some people don't think it's um, a living thing. Well, there's there are live viruses and not live viruses. Yeah, I know, but just vaccines. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, live yeah. vaccines and not live vaccines. No, I mean, in terms, so they think, um, <clears throat> like, um, a bacteria, a bacteria's basic life form, amoebas and things like that, mm. but a virus isn't. So it's like a bit of a weird. It's just a terminator. Uh, yeah, <laughs> an in between kind of thing that's not. That people don't think is a living organism essentially. Really? Yeah. Just, what is it then? Just a ball of chemicals? I don't know, but it, it reproduces, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Don't they? Viruses, yeah. Yeah. And it destroys the Your cell. Hard drive? Living. Yeah. Yeah. You're born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it depends what how you define what a living thing is. That's the thing. So I think I think the thing is is that that a living thing is normally a cell, isn't it? That divides and has a, a membrane or something and contains DNA. Is that not something about it? Is that not? I don't know. I don't know what the definition of a living thing is. Ben. (laughs) Should be ringing in. I imagine the carrot was my penis. (laughs) Weird flex. So, there we go. Um, That's psychology. Oh, other big entertainment news. Okay. I thought I was an entertainment correspondent. No. Um, Total Recall. What about it? The musical. No. Yeah, have you not heard this? No. Total Recall the Musical has been given the go-ahead. From the creators of South Park. (laughs) (laughs) I've even got a clip. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
BF Skinner. BF Skinner. Big fucking Skinner. <laughs> I like my Skinner's Rats jingle. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> you I'll, put some effort into these. Yeah. Um, we mentioned Graham, Graham Hancock before. Graham's, Graham's Big Hancock. <laughs> Graham Hancock. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, hang on. What's he famous for? <laughs> History. Pseudoscience. Su- 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 <laughs> uh, pseudoscience. Pseudoscience. I thought he said super science. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh no, I've lost it. <laughs> oh, it's Phil Collins, isn't it? <coughs> What's it called? The song? Su- su- studio. Something su- 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 pseudoscience. Su- su- Still sounds like super science. It's, no, it's pseudoscience. Pseudoscience. Mm. It's pseudoscience. It's the da 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 We're missing the bottom end there. Yeah, well. Mind. <laughs> um, do you want to do some corrections? <laughs> well, since as I wasn't here, there's a lot. Um, we had. Um, got my phone. Did you have Tom on last week? Was it last week you had Tom? Uh. Jim last week, Tom the week before. Oh, right, yeah. So um, who you correcting, so, Jim so and we're, Tom? We're con- correcting from the week before, which I think was with Tom. Right. What's it? Where are you going? I've got to get a beer. Yeah, I've got it. I've got a list. Yeah, we had a good chat with Jim last week. Um, he let us take some great photos of his um, his memorabilia. Oh, yes. So we've got like the letter offering the European tour with Clapton. All oh, right. And then like um, a gig list, a, an itinerary of the tour and a backstage pass. Did he turn that down or something? No, he, he did it. Oh, did he? Yeah, he supported Clapton in Europe, around Europe. Wow. And uh, yeah, lots of cool memorabilia he showed us. <coughs> so, uh, check them out. Episodes 85, 88 and... Whatever last week's was. 94. 94, I think. Well, yeah. I read something on Reddit about Eric Clapton. Apparently, um, did like, it's probably when he was like hoaxed off his tits in the 70s or 80s. But like, went on like some mad racist tirade. Oh my God. I might be able to Google it actually and read it. Shall I read it? Can't do it. I'll see if I can find it. I'll do some more corrections. Um, we haven't even done any corrections yet. All right. All right. Clapton, racist speech. <laughs> rant. Rant, yeah, rant. Uh, gig. Reddit. Here we go. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> what have you got? Um... What's number one on Google? Let me have a look here. So this one it says, in 1976, this is just the this is the brief version. 1976, Eric Clapton made a speech at, the, at a concert encouraging the British audience to vote for Enoch Powell, <laughs> saying that Britain needed to get the foreigners out, get the wogs out, get the coons out, repeatedly <sighs> shouting, "Keep Britain white." Um, in response, Rock Against Racism was formed. Oh my God, was this in this country who was doing this? Oh, this is it now. Look, this is the full text of this. Um, doesn't say. Okay, so um, so this is his rant or speech. It says, 
I used to be into dope, now I'm into racism. It's much heavier, man. Fucking wogs, man. Fucking Saudis taking over London. Bastard wogs. Britney's becoming overcrowded and Enoch will stop stop it and send them all back. The black wogs and coons and Arabs and fucking Jamaicans and fucking indecipherable. Um, that You didn't say indecipherable. That's in brackets. Yes. <laughs> don't belong here. We don't want them here. This is England. This is a white country. We don't want any black wogs and coons living here. We need to make clear to them they are not, they are not welcome. England is for white people, man. We are a white country. I don't want fucking wogs living next to me. <laughs> fucking hell, get the picture, Eric. We're, fucking hell. We're two thirds the way through. Um, living next to me with their standards. This is Great Britain, a white country. What is happening to us, for fuck's sake? We need to vote for Enoch Powell. He's a great man. Speaking true. Vote for Enoch. He's our man. He's, our, he's on our side. He'll look after us. I want all of you here to vote for Enoch. Support him. He's on our side. Enoch Prime Minister. Throw the wogs out. Keep Britain white. It's also worth noting that Clapton later said it was a joke, but has reiterated his support for Enoch Powell and keep and his and keep his sorry keep Britain white policies in two thousand and four and two thousand and seven. Hell's bells! That's, so, that's, that's unbelievable. Oh, it looks, oh, looks an edit. So it says someone posted an, an, the unabridged quote, which is amazing. Uh, is much worse. I'm not reading it again. <laughs> no, it's huge. Yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. I wonder what the source is. Who reported it? Someone on Reddit. <laughs> In 1978 or whatever. There must be a recording, a recording of it. Recording, yeah. I assume. If there was a recording of it, yeah, I'd be disgusted at that. Well, yeah. So It's a bit weird, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. It's not such a short time ago, isn't it? Yeah. There's well, 2004 and 2007, he said it again. And he wasn't, he's been clean, hasn't he, since like the 90s, has he not? There's been tensions brewing this week between the Indian and Pakistan communities in this country. Has it? Yeah. Because of Kurdistan? Kashmir. Kashmir. Oh, Kashmir it is. It's um, hotting up in Kashmir. Yeah. Um, Indian government. Well, they closed all the mosques, didn't they? I remember that last week or this week. There's a curfew running. Yeah. It's just... Uh, it's one of these we- weird situations, isn't it? But the, I saw a, a demonstration. Uh, oh, that was it. The members of the Pakistan community decided to think to demonstrate at the Indian embassy, maybe. Right. In London. Oh, and right. Then there okay. was like a counter protest with the Indians. At the Pakistani one? <laughs> at the same place, yeah. Oh. And it, it's brewed into people getting hurt and arrests, I think. Possibly. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Well, this is like this old... This is from when they drew the line on the map, wasn't it? And split um, India into India, Pakistan and West... Was it not East Pakistan and West Pakistan? And like and East Pakistan. No, well, East Pakistan became Bangladesh, I think. Might be wrong. Um, and Pakistan became Pakistan. And then India. It was all one country, wasn't it, basically? But there's a... Because Hindus are the, the majority. I remember speaking to, I used to work with a Sikh guy and he said that like, obviously Sikhs were in the minority there. Um, that Yeah, like Hindus were kind of racist or is it racism, I suppose? What is it? I don't know, sectarianism, something? Mm. Um, kind of towards them. But they have, it's to do with states as well. Like the states there are like the size of, Countries, aren't they? 
Mm. So like Kashmir, I think Sikh, he said he was from, his family from like Punjab, I think. Right. Um, and places like that. So I think it's quite defined by where you live and what your religion is, but it's kind of mixed everywhere. Mm. You, you always get that in, in any country. I suppose, yeah. One thing they liked about Assad. <laughs> really? When, when he was flavor of the month. Right. Um, he was alawite, so fairly moderate. I think that made him popular. So it didn't make people wear the... But it made him unpopular in the country because the alawites were a minority. What's an alawite? Islam. A, a type of it. Like the Shia... Right, okay. Um, Shia, Sunni... So and, like, and there's Alawite as well. So there's like, you know, Church of England, Catholic. Yeah, Protestant, right. exactly. Right, yeah. different interpretations. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they don't like him now. Though. He's, he's turned into a yeah. murdering demagogue, it seems. Despot. Despot, yeah, not demagogue. <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet. <laughs> no. Uh, right. Corrections. Shit, yeah. Corrections. Can't believe how much how much the production values increased <laughs> in this the space of three months. Um, ben, what would happen if you take a compass to the moon? The answer is nothing, because it has because a pole. It has a such a weak magnetic field. So what what would be controlling so nothing. it? Nothing would control the compass. It'd be very weak. <laughs> so don't bother taking a compass to the moon. It's right. not going to help you. But it, it doesn't have a molten core. Like well, the that's earth. the thing, isn't it? It yeah. sp spins, doesn't it? And gives out the thing, the magnetic field. <laughs> the goodness. Yeah, the goodness. <laughs> yeah. It keeps the r cosmic rays off us. Moony doesn't have that. No. It's just a dead rock. Mm. So, yeah, it compasses is useless on the moon. Fuck. Um, El Dorado was screened on BBC One in 1992 and ran for one series. Yeah, they spent a fortune on that, <laughs> didn't they? 156 episodes. Six months worth that, isn't it? Twelve months, three times a week. All oh, right. Monday, okay. Wednesday, Friday, seven o'clock. BBC One. Eldorado. <laughs> Eldorado. Some of the actors had never acted on stage or screen before. Oh. It turned out there was a German guy who was on it, and it turned out this was his first acting job ever. <laughs> and they had a problem because they f uh, they filmed in empty villas. They mm. had a problem with echo and reverb and sound quality. Oh my god. <laughs> Because it wasn't filmed in a studio. No. So sound court production was poor. Did they not build it all, though, as well? Did they not build all the villas? <laughs> that rings a bell, yeah. Like, you know, Emmerdale, they have a village, don't they, that they've yeah. built? Possibly. Yeah, it was canned by incoming BBC uh, director or controller, whatever you call him, Alan Yentob. Oh, Alan Yentob, what, late night, BBC One, doing his cultural 
nonsense. Break down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he swung the axe on El Dorado. Yeah, not surprised. Shortly after, <laughs> shortly after coming in. But apparently, after the first few episodes got panned, it started to get better. Yeah, I remember this they one. Sat not, someone. Did someone not die? They did not have like a suicide on it. Oh. As a storyline. Uh, no, I think someone was trying to be killed. Is that what it was? Yeah. Right. A car got blown up. Right. Uh, yeah, but the storylines, there was a. After the first few episodes, uh, they got different script writers in and stuff, and uh, it apparently improved. But I never watched. I haven't watched an odd one, I think. I remember watching it. I can remember watching that because we would have been about 10, wouldn't we? Yeah. I can remember it being on vaguely and then it just disappearing. Right? Vaughn's gone to sleep. Can't see in the next correction. Oh, Atat from Star Wars. Yeah. From Hoth, Battle of Hoth. Atat stands for All Terrain Armored Transport. Oh, didn't know that. And ATST, the ATST, which is the one on two legs. From Endor. So Atat's four legs. Mm. Atst, two legs. That stands for All Terrain Scout Transport. Yeah. Little baby one. Yeah. Um, mead. <laughs> mead is fermented honey. Yeah. With water. I would have told you that. Uh, Very sweet, apparently. <laughs> um, tasty. It's an alcoholic beverage created by fermenting honey with water sometimes with various fruits spices grains or hops mm. average yeah. alcoholic content ranges from three and a half to twenty percent <laughs> imagine a twenty percent mead with a bit of hops and <laughs> dark fruiting pottery vessels dating from 7000 bc mm. discovered in northern china have china have shown chemical signatures consistent with the presence of honey, rice, and organic compounds associated with fermentation. Cheers. 7,000 BC. Mm. First evidence of mead. In Europe, it is first described from residual samples found in ceramics of the Bell Beaker culture, circa 2,800 BC to 1,800 BC. Aren't the, aren't the Bell Beakers um, like the people who came to Britain or something? Yeah, man. Mega chalcolithic. Right, okay. Yeah. Where, uh, it's famous, the beaker culture. Yes. Because of the pottery. It looks yes. like an upturned bell. End. <laughs> it looks like a bell if you flipped it over. Mm -hmm. That's what the pottery is. Right, okay. okay. Uh, yes, Chalcolithic. Copper Age. Copper Age. Yeah, pre-bronze. Pre-bronze. So Chalcolithic is the Copper Age. What's bronze, copper and iron? No. That's Iron Age. Uh Tin? Tin? Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> Fat chair that next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Copper Age, Bronze Age, mm. Iron Age, Silicon Age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did we get onto the Beaker people? Oh, was yeah. on the correction. Yeah. yeah uh, the Beaker people. Yeah. The earliest surviving description of mead uh, possibly the Soma in the hymns of the Rig Veda, right. the Vedic religion. So first recorded, because all the previous things, uh, evidences of mead have been through pottery samples. Mm. Where the first written record or interpretation of mead comes from the Rig Veda. Uh, during the golden age of ancient Greece, mead was the preferred drink. Mm. Um 
What if they kept bees then in hives? I also have a recipe. For mead. For mead. This is from Beowulf. Beowulf. Take rainwater kept for several years and mix a sextarius of this water with a pound. Sextarius is an old Roman measurement, roughly a pint, 540 mils in a sextarius. So why why have you got to why has it got to be old rainwater? Oh, for this is well, this is Beowulf's recipe, isn't it? Right. Okay. Uh, for a week of mead, mix a sextarius of water with nine ounces of honey. It's interesting to say rainwater, isn't it? Rather than like kind of river, river water or lake water. Is it clean? You the know, hole, it was cleaner. The hole is exposed to the sun for 40 days and then left on the shelf near the fire. If you have no rainwater, then boil spring water. So they do tell you to cleanse your water in Beowulf's time. Yeah. Mm. Makes you shit less. Because the common theory of uh, alcohol was it was safer to drink wine yeah. than the local water. Exactly, yeah. But this suggests yeah. that they were aware of this. They just wanted to get fucking pissed. <laughs> yeah. They'd welfare. Well, you know, in the Victorian age, there was the, the theory of the miasma. <laughs> oh, what's that? So, <laughs> I think it comes from when you used to when you used to go to like the slums and the the you know the the gentry used to do the the research into why people were like dying of cholera all the time. Um, it was the smell, so they called it the miasma, and they thought that the smell of like sewage and all the rest of it was making people ill. Right. And I think it was called a miasma. Fact check for next week. I'm not sure if it would be the actual smell, but more the chemicals associated with the smell. Well, probably, yeah, what we're thinking. But the smell, yeah, basically. The, what was in the air was making the mill, rather than the sewage leaking into the, the well, drinking water. That doesn't sound any different from um, pollution causing asthma. Well, no, but it was they were linking it to cholera, basically. Specifically to cholera. Oh. So, like, there was times, apparently, in the Victorian age, before, and this is why they, um, they built the sewage system in London and the sewage went further out of the city and down the Thames, was that they had to call off Parliament because the smell of the Thames, when it was particularly hot in the summer, it was the, the, the stench was overpowering, basically. Because of the effluent that was in the in the water. Do you know that there's a huge problem in San Francisco of people defecating in the street? <laughs> no, no. Why? Why? Explain. This is a huge problem in San Francisco. Why? People shit in the street. Why? Don't know. I, I, where have you heard that? I read that. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's anecdotal, but. <laughs> Because this is th they're having town meetings in Austin mm. where they're raising the problem with human feces on the street. Well, there's a thing that... It's relaxed public laws. A lot of people take a shit in the street. I think that's... Yeah, because they don't... There's no deterrent anymore. Well, there's like this thing, know. isn't there, in like in like developing countries with like villages where just going shit anywhere rather than using a toilet or a ditch or whatever. Right. And that causes people to get ill. And I've like heard the stories of like people going to like Thailand or Laos or Vietnam and like they just see people taking a shit in the street. Just drop this keck. I've seen someone spoke to someone in like one of these East Asian countries, uh, Southeast Asia, 
when you go traveling yeah and basically yeah like stories of people just like in the middle of the street walking down and like stalls the other side and he drops his kecks and has a shit basically in the street yeah i've seen it where people have been caught like they must have had diarrhea or something and they've had to just shit in the street it's been caught on cctv and put on live leak uh. <laughs> Well, the famous one was that uh, marathon runner. She was doing. She was doing. Paul oh, uh, Radcliffe. Radcliffe, yeah. She she, she had. Was set, that a shit though? Yeah, she had diarrhea and oh. she she had to shit in the during uh, the London marathon. Yes, she pulled over and took a shit. Can you imagine being the number one watched person in the marathon? Having to do that, she must have known that it was yeah. going to get filmed. Yeah, poor one. <laughs> It's after that you just power through it, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> just let it, let it hang out. <laughs> but they look, that's the thing for women is they run in a, a bikini, don't they? Fucking, you go through the finish line and her legs are just brown. Well, you'd have to. <laughs> oh, my God. You would have to, when you get that water, you'd have to douse your ass in it, wouldn't you? Wash it all off. <laughs> What about the poor fuckers behind you? Well, that's maybe they're that. slipping. It's all slips on your shit and lands in it. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. Oh. At least she went to the side of the track and did it. Yeah, she did it. I think she went for a drain, actually. She's very... Well spotted. I know, yeah. Went to a big drain and took a shit. <laughs> probably, it's probably on YouTube somewhere, though, isn't it? Yeah. Or Reddit. Yeah, that was a huge story when it happened. Mm, poor woman. And I think she lost as well. Or she didn't come first. I don't she think. didn't win that one, no. No. No, I'm sure she didn't. I don't think she ever did win the marathon, did she? I think she was always one of those that was a Neely. Oh, no, she won it. Did she? Yeah, she won the marathon, definitely. I'm Is sure. Paula Radcliffe, yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe it was the Olympics she never won then. One of those that never went over to the Olympics. I'm uh, thinking about conducting an experiment is it about shitting? No. I'm going to try and sub. I'm, my experiment is I'm going to try and subconsciously alter the fabric of reality. Is that by smoking weed? <laughs> no, using affirmations. Right. Have you heard of affirmations? I think so. Well, go on, explain. The idea is say you want something and you have a goal or something. Something to aim at. Have you ever heard of Tony Robbins? Yes. Yeah, he he talks read about one of his books. Right, okay. He uses affirmations, Yes. He? Wow. He said, he basically tells the story that he ran, when he was like younger, he ran every day for 10 years, telling, saying to himself he's going to be a fucking beast. <laughs> and that's literally what he said. And he is a beast. He's six foot seven, isn't he? In every sense of the word. Yeah. His, his personality is a beast, isn't mm. it? Uh, the idea, the technique that I'm thinking of trying is whatever this goal is, write it down on a piece of paper 15 times every day. What's your goal going to be? Oh, I haven't got that far. Stop masturbating. <laughs> Start with something a bit easier. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. uh, what do you think? It's like a mantra, isn't it? Yeah. Like You, you just repeat something to yourself. Maybe, Maybe it will work. Who knows? Maybe you like secretly, so it kind of just goes into your brain somehow and just stays there. It becomes like one of your codes to live by. Have you heard of Scott Adams? No. He's the guy who created Dilbert, the cartoon. I think I've heard of Dilbert. Big in the 90s. I think so. Uh, he uses this affirmation thing. 
So the examples are the first affirmation he made was um, there was someone in working like in the same building and he wanted to shag her. <laughs> okay. And he was like a six and she's like a 9.5. And they, they didn't know each other or anything. Okay. So he started doing these affirmations and he ended up shagging her. Mm-hmm. His second affirmation. So what's his affirmation? So he basically write, wrote down, I'm going to have I, sex with I, Scott Julie. Adams. Yeah. I'm going to have a romantic encounter with mm-hmm. that woman on, in accounts. Right, <laughs> <Whatever>. okay. <clears throat> the second one was something to do with shares. Mm. And then he instantly got a feeling to buy. He woke up, bolt up right in bed and said, I need to buy Lotus or whatever it was, or mm. Microsoft, whatever. And... He didn't have his shit together, and he couldn't actually invest the money, but the stock went up meteorically. Um, I think his last... Oh, one affirmation was, I, Scott Adams, want to be a world-famous cartoonist. Right, okay. And then he became... How many affirmations did he make, though? Or do? It varied between... It was 15 a day, Mm -hmm. and it varied in periods which... How... You know, some would come quicker than others. Some would take, might take years. But he would do it for years. But I mean, the other thing about that is it's just goal setting, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So do you think that he's tapping into some other kind of process that controls life or the universe? Um, well, he mentioned about three theories he has on why it works. Mm. And the one that I liked, cause I can't remember the two. <laughs> <laughs> Conveniently. <laughs> Was um, our brain works like a filter. Yeah. So we have our subconscious going and mm-hmm. our brain filters out information to deliver to the conscious. Otherwise, you'd go crazy. You won't be able to take it all in, yeah, process it. it's true. Now, if you... So your subconscious dictates or your brain dictates, dictates what information is relevant to you. Yeah. To give to your conscious brain. Mm-hmm. If you write something down 15 times a day, mm. you're trying to teach your subconscious to not filter out right, information yeah. regarding this goal. So you and you start seeing opportunities that were there mm-hmm. but you, before you didn't notice them because your subconscious has filtered that information out. Mm-hmm. That's one theory I like as to why affirmations could work. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense, actually. You can swap what is being filtered and what isn't kind of thing. Mm. If you have control, if you can con your subconscious to do that. Yeah. It's mad. Mm. Definitely. I might try it then. We're going to use it for then. I don't know. What would the, um, I don't know what the question would be or what the demand would be. Depends, doesn't it? One could be smoking. (sighs) Could be though, couldn't it? It's got to be something you want, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I'm not looking to quit at the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what would be a good thing to set, challenge to set. But that would be an interesting one to do because of what else is involved in that. Yeah, because there's a chemical um, addictive. It, well, yeah, it changes your um, receptors in your brain, doesn't it? Things. Yeah. That, again, would be a... An example of the conscious brain affecting, like, the chemical brain. Mm. Don't know. Interesting. 
quite interested in psychology. Yeah, some parts of it are interesting. Mm. If it's the way it's presented, like when I, when I was at, um, working at a university, I got kind kind of friendly with this uh, this researcher. He was like a lecturer, and he was like researching cognitive psychology. And what I, <laughs> basically what it was was I was I, I wanted to help him with a research paper so I could get a pub like a a citation in it and be a published researcher. And he, he said, yeah, yeah, we can sort something out. And anyway, it kind of fizzled out. He disappeared to like Sweden one day. Um, but anyway, he, um, what he was researching, I, I kind of said to him, why are you, what's the point in kind of what you're researching? And he, he couldn't, he was kind of shocked that I asked him that at <laughs> the right? first point. And then he kind of, came across well and I kind of offered is it like relevant for you know pilots because what he was asking was um was you <coughs> had to listen to something auditory and then you had to remember something else or something I can't remember it I do like, like a recall patting your head and rubbing your tummy yeah so it would be relevant say for example like a, a pilot who was listening to something on the on the radio and then having to fly at the same time and then look at something else and TV presenters who have to listen to the um, director's yeah. room I and never, then speak I, at I, the same time. I never figure out how they do that. That going, yeah, we should have that. We should fade us down and then we can just talk to each other. That's <laughs> one person to fade us back up again. Right. I'm confused. <laughs> so like I, I if I was talking then, yeah. What you could do is just have me going in through the desk and then so I could only hear you. <laughs> I'm fucking lost. Yeah, I'm lost too. Have you read um, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? No. You'd like that. Would I? Yeah, he was in Auschwitz. Right, okay. And he was, I don't know whether he was a psychoanalyst at the time, I guess Probably, it was maybe yeah. that sort of period. But he anal analyzes the mentality of the guards and the prisoners. Right. Well, that's the the thing that was extrapolated, wasn't it, by um, your man who made, he did the exact, that exact experiment, I can't remember his name, in the 60s or 70s. Skinner? No. <laughs> oh. You're desperate, aren't you? The prison ex experiment where they had to call it off. Oh, okay, now. Yeah. Z -z -z. I watched the film and everything. Yeah, I know the one you mean. And like basically, the the prison guards became really violent. Ultra violent. Yeah. yeah started tra dehumanizing them. Yeah, and then like the prisoners became like really meek and stuff. Yeah. Like Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Stanford prison experiment. Uh, that's the one. <laughs> Zimbardo. Zimbardo. Yeah. Because he was interested in that Nazi thing as well. The other one he did, which was a little bit more intense, was the one where, I think that was him, where you went into a room, I think I've talked about this, and he had like a desk, like your mixing desk, and you were reading questions to somebody in another room but you had like headphones on, you could hear them. And if they got a question wrong, you electrocuted them at one. Yeah. And then the next question it was two. 
and then you were warned if you got above five, it would hurt. And then like above 10 and, and you could call, cause them to die. And most people... Went all the way. Yeah, and killed... And they were like, ah! And then you could hear people going unconscious. And like, I think he said... How did they react after that? Some people were devastated. And then the the um tried to follow it up. And like, they, I think they found like a few people from it. And, and some of... No, well, maybe... <laughs> Some of them had been really affected by it and some of them just didn't care. God. So it was like some people, it was just that underlying, I don't know, sociopath. Psychopathy. Yeah. Just didn't care. But some people were really affected by it. Um, But when you put that structure around people. Have you read the psychopath test? No, I haven't read that one. I've got that up there. John Ronson. Big Ronnie. John Ronson. You familiar with John Ronson? No. Men Who Stare at Goats. Heard of that. I watched the film. Yeah, that was based on his book. He's like Louis Theroux. Right. John Ronson. Um, oh, he did a good one on the porn industry. Really? Yeah. Oh, what was the subject? It was the death of a porn star. And there's a conspiracy theory around it. It's not like what, what one who committed suicide. It recently. is. August. Oh. August. The title is something about August. It's something, something August. She was married to an older guy, wasn't she? He, he, his prime suspect, right? In the conspiracy theory, that he's, that she like he drugged her or something. And he, he knocked her off. He was like sixties and like rich, I think. Maybe fifty, I think. Do you think? Yeah. Oh, he's holding that and like a nerdy guy. It was the Twitter mob, weren't it? Came after her. I don't know. She made a comment. Um, right, homophobic, what would be called homophobic comment mm-hmm. about working with a gay man. Right. Um, saying that she didn't want to work with a gay man, I think, mm-hmm. in a scene because of her perceived AIDS risk. Oh, right, okay. That's why it was taken as homophobic. Mm-hmm. And then short, the Twitter storm focused on her mm-hmm. and uh, like a day later, a couple of days later, she was found hanging Right. It's a weird story. Well, yeah, I don't think mo- most of them, as much as he, people try to say they're not fucked up and they're making a choice, most of like the documentaries you see, but then they might focus on the outliers in the porn industry. Seems to have like a, not a very stable background. There are some who are real pros, like Lisa Ann. What, as in the prostitutes as well? No, I mean, like, the proper head-screwed-on business people. Oh, right, she has okay. a podcast, and, right, okay. you know, she's she obviously smart, and mm-hmm. I think, she, you know, that's definitely a choice. I don't think they're all damaged. Well, no, I, I probably wouldn't subscribe to that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's an old trope about having daddy issues, isn't yeah. there, that people say. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's a weird industry, isn't it? It is when you think about it. It's a weird industry. But then that's the other thing is we we put a structure around sex, don't we? And what it is and isn't. The taboo. Oh, there's a taboo, isn't there? But what we kind of think how you should have sex and how it should be done. (laughs) But if you just kind of break it, well, you shouldn't. Most people wouldn't have sex on camera for money, would they? Basically, no. I mean, or in the street, yeah, (laughs) or in a bang bus, no, that kind of thing, yeah. Um, it's a cultural norm, yeah. So, 
but it's just if you break it down, it's just a, a process, isn't it, of putting your penis in someone until mm. you ejaculate. It's a biological <laughs> process, but yeah, it's a unique one. Yeah, because it's the process of reproduction. Mm. So therefore, it's sort of more taboo. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it has a Weird. taboo around it, isn't it? Yeah, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you get like nature beaches, don't you? Mm. Where people let it all hang out. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing, clothes, isn't it? That's another bizarre. Uh, there's utility though, because of the climate. Well, yeah, of course. You know, we would freeze. Let's see what I. I we went off. What, you know, if we did evolve on the African plains. Yeah. Is it always warm enough then in Africa all year round where we evolved to have not got cold? Well, uh, well, that's what I've always sort of. When are cold at night? That's what I mean. So there's no we, clouds. Um, surely we would, but like chimpanzees make nests, don't they, out of leaves and stuff in trees? So we would have made something like that, surely, wouldn't we? <laughs> nest. Yeah, it's called a nest. It's called a nest. Yeah, yeah. no, it is. But do you think humans made nests? I would have thought so, because if we were evolved from apes, that's the other thing. Is the other thing I can't get my head round is yeah. being the first one to what human us. There's more species of... Yeah, I know. But being the first one that kind of... Did what? Well, could think like us, basically. We... I was going to say one thing that's unique is we can manipulate our environments, but that's not true, because birds use tools. <laughs> well, I was watching something the other day, <coughs> and a bearded dragon, the, it, it couldn't figure out initially that it could get some, like, mealworms from beyond a thing. Yeah. Um, I think I had to press a button. I don't know. Do something. Mm -hmm. I basically showed it a video of another bearded dragon doing this process, and it did the process. Morphic, or is it morphic resonance? What's that? That's where uh, you think that information is transmitted genetically to n n new generations. Nice taught, is it, but where does it come from originally? I think it's chance. Even when they're separated on different continents. So there's a mouse maze experiment, mm. and they show the mouse the maze, and the first time it takes it, whatever, two minutes to get round. Mm -hmm. But then they'll show a different mouse. This, after that, they'll show a different mouse in a different country of the same maze, and it'll go around it quicker. But is it how, how, how are those mice related? Than, yeah, through morphic resonance. So they ha so they are genetic <laughs> no. relations. Only the same species. So That's sorry, it. you are saying that it's not even a genetic process. It's just that no. there's some kind of cosmic ray that puts <laughs> the information. <laughs> morphic resonance. Isn't that just that fucking mouse is better at mazes? <laughs> but then the next mouse will be get in in Antarctica will be better again. Bullshit. <laughs> I don't know, maybe bullshit. That. I'm sorry, I don't believe that one. Uh, there's a Rupert Sheldrake book about it. Morphic Resonance? Yeah. Right, okay. So he's a um, biologist, right. professor of biology, I think. Yeah. He wrote The Science Delusion. So it's a bit of a riposte to the. The God Delusion. Yeah. Um, talking about how, how corrupt science is and. Mm. It not is cor not corrupt, but this uh, the uh, it's the uh, oh we talked about this haven't we? When people the, the, oh, to publish find, papers, yeah, to find the the uh, 
a positive outcome or whatever to fi- make their findings true and people like bend the rules and stuff don't they yeah. to actually you don't have it. to publish negative data yeah only the positive exactly yeah there's some people talk about that quite a lot actually that it's more kind of null results should be published yeah yeah and the human beings at the end of the day the subject to peer pressure mm. um so we confirmation bias yeah dogma well money as yeah well. funding yeah funding yeah if you've got some wacky far out theory yeah um, you're not going to get the funding to do the experiments but that's probably. what that's what when i was doing my degree in psychology when they kind of talked to you a bit about i a lot of other degrees they do lots more statistics and you have to sort of like go down into all kinds of nonsense but ours was quite vague and light yeah. Um, and most of it's done by this thing called SPSS. Computer? Yeah. And you just put it in and it just figures it out. Um, but the amount of ways you can process the information and results so that you could get a positive outcome or it proves your results yeah. is mad. So you would just mm. pick the right algorithm. Data set. Oh, yeah, data set algorithm to process it to get your kind of yeah. what you want out of it. This basically. is what they're doing with for climate change data. Right, okay. The IPCC. What, the Independent Police Complaints Commission? The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. All right. IPCC, I think. Well, their mandate... Interplanetary. (laughs) Climate. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change... uh, Isn't it IGPCC? No, I don't think so. Oh, I, intergovernmental yeah. is one word. Inter-governmental. Yeah. Their mandate was to prove that humans are causing climate change. That's your, yeah, confirmation so to, bias. Well, yeah, to continue to be funded every year, mm. they have to pr- produce positive results. Mm. And, you know, the fudge, the numbers, pit the numbers that best suit the theory. Mm. It's a weird one. Any more corrections? No, I put my phone down. All right, okay. Um, I'll tell you what I found interesting this week. Chicken box knife crime. Right. Have you heard about this home office? No. There was one thing you mentioned about Volkswagen. Is something to do with that? No. Okay. Uh, the home office has come out with this plan to get 320,000 chicken boxes, fried chicken boxes, and put uh, stories of knife crime on them and distribute them to takeaways. Oh, because there's, there's this culture, isn't there, of going to the chicken shop in London for some for, for, for some youths. I've heard about that on, on the the old internet. Yeah. And there's a famous guy, isn't there, that used to be a YouTuber, he probably still is, and he goes around and reviews chicken shops in London. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he got some kind of TV show doing it, and it was, apparently it was quite funny. Right. But there you go. But yeah, so it is, yeah. My uh, seven-year-old said for his birthday... Let's go to a chicken shop. No. Um, can I have a YouTube camera? <laughs> I went, uh, why? I want to be a YouTuber. Oh, God. <laughs> Get yourself a trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wants to be a YouTuber. Hmm. It made me laugh when that kid playing Fortnite the other week won, won 1.2 million. Uh, yeah. Kid. Was he in 16, wasn't he? Something stupid. Oh, he's younger than that. 
No, I, I was about 12. I think it was 16. No, we're thinking about different Corrections. Guy. 16. Uh, I was just thinking about all the times his mum and dad had told him to I get know, off that yeah. fucking computer. I know, I know. Do your own work. Well, the one who won it in America, mm. who won the three million, got squatted into. And for our listeners who are not familiar... Eavesdroppers. Yeah. His, what is a swatting? So a swatting is when you are playing a game, say, for example, Call of Duty or Fortnite, a group game, and there's a person that is really good. So what you do is you call the police and say someone in the house is being held hostage and they send the SWAT team round. Someone hacks into him and finds out his address, doxes mm. him, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, they phone the police on that address. The SWAT team says someone's been killed or whatever. Oh, yeah. But somebody apparently was playing Call of Duty and they sent them around to the wrong address. And they shot someone. The police killed somebody. And the person who reported it, or, you know, swatted this other person who's been sent to prison for 20 years. 20 years? Yeah. I wonder what the charge was. I don't know. Manslaughter by proxy or something? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's a weird mm. thing to get 20 years for. Well, if it's in some, some kind of southern state, imagine it's, you know, if it's not marrying your sister, then you probably get 20 years for it. Some swattings have been caught on camera. Yeah. Because a lot of gamers, they use Twitch. Right. They stream the gameplay I've to hit, Twitch. Uh, what is Twitch? It's like YouTube, but it's live streaming. Right, okay. Can you just live stream on YouTube? Yeah, but Twitch has, it, it's, it's more it's better. features. <laughs> okay. It's better, yeah. You can put those like stars coming on your, at your face. Yeah, shit like that. Mm. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of uh, um, buzz online. Now I'm reading things on the online. People talk about Twitch all the time. Now. The online. On the online world. Because mm. the first time I heard about that, that kind of thing was like Periscope. Periscope was one, yeah. And Facebook, Facebook Live. And they're the only ones. That, and then I've just started hearing, hearing about Twitch. Is it just that they've got ahead of the curve? Twitch seemed to be start as a gaming one. Right, okay. It's primarily for gamers. I think it probably still is. Because like when the PlayStation 4 came out, the share button... That was kind of a novel, well, for me at that point, anyway. It was only like, how long ago was the PlayStation 4 come out? It was like... Three years? No, more than that. More than that? I think more than that. Um, Maybe like five years ago, I'd say. Um, Fast, it's strange how things change so fast, isn't it? (laughs) In terms of like technology and stuff. Where we'll be in like 10 years time. Well, is it exponential? Kurzweil. Well, yeah. Well, Singularity is near. It's Facebook over. Well, the thing is, Elon Musk has got into um, AI, hasn't he? Started an AI company because mm. of what he said, I imagine. Right. He's quite scared about it, isn't he? Oh, yeah, there are some um, Singularity alarmists. Yes. <laughs> you think the robots, once they become self-aware, mm. they'll wipe out humanity because... We're probably the greatest threat to the planet. But I was reading, apparently Microsoft has put invested uh, billions into his company already. Right. Like a partnership. I guess so. Microsoft. I don't know. Well, he seems to be one of these people that has grand ideas and managed to turn them to fruition, doesn't he? With his, like, rocket company and his car company. Strange story, Tesla. Mm. Yeah, not Tesla, Musk. Look into his background. Why? It's just an interesting story. He wasn't the typical student, I don't think. I think he was always very clever from what you read. Isn't it? Yeah, I wonder if he's maybe got some mild... Autism or something. Mm. Like um, a savant. Yeah, maybe. 
he comes across socially awkward, I think. A lot of nerds do. Look at colour of Mark Zuckerberg when he went up in front of the house of... He is fucking AI. Yeah. He's like a water... Do you remember trying to take that drink? He was so fucking <laughs> nervous, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he didn't seem human. He would be, though. The colour had drained. What was he in trouble for? Was it data leaking? Cambridge Analytica? I can't remember. Something about that, wasn't it? Was yeah. it data leaking? <clears throat> I think so. <coughs> you got... Facebook is free. Mm. It's free to use. There are no paywalls. No. So they have two ways of making money. Adver- they, yeah, they couldn't figure out how to make any money out of it. Advertising first, and selling the data. Exactly, yeah. And they'd sell the data. Mm. What's interesting is uh, governments are starting to use yes. social media. And uh, pay for the data. Yeah. Because, I mean, we don't have a Fourth Amendment but in the States, you have the Fourth Amendment, which is the privacy. The government isn't allowed to snoop on you mm. unless they have a warrant or reasonable oh, it, will and intent. Reasonable cause? Yeah. Is it reasonable cause? I go for that. Uh, so the way around it is the government just buys the data off Facebook. You're freely giving your data to Google and Facebook, and then the government just buys it and then can just check on what you're doing. Mm. It's weird. Not comfortable with it. <laughs> no. I don't try and... I'm thinking of going OTG with the phone. Well, I, I you know, I've been contemplating that recently and thinking about getting one of those souped-up uh, 3210s or whatever it is. OTG means off the grid. Yeah. I've, uh, only, I've only got Instagram now. Right. But... Struggling to get rid of that because I do look, I do use that for like looking at my design ideas for my kitchen. You use Instagram, right? Yeah, because you just search for like things you're interested in. So, like, if I search for, so say for example, I was, I had yesterday, I went to Maxi Farm, which is a little cafe next door to a posh nursery in Cotton. Right. And they had some chairs in there that I wouldn't mind having around my dining room table in my new kitchen. <laughs> And I put in like modern chairs into Instagram and it came up like quite easily if I, when I put description in. And then do you get a link then to somewhere you can buy it? Well, I just found the name of them. It was like an IMS chair or something it was called. And then it was, and I found it on the internet then. Or you could Google it, you know. I could put such a vague Google search in and find something, you know. The thing is, that's using, that's social media being used as a utility. Mm. Uh, people use it for the just to pass time well, that's like the, a boredom that's, thing that's why i'm thinking about getting it was thinking about getting a dumb phone because i do i i do just sit there and it's addictive and that's, then and, the, and they spend money on psychologists to make sure it's addictive yeah it's that, do you want me to do the bf skinner what it's a random reward schedule You had to use it. Go on, BF Skinner. So it's it's the random reward schedule. So every so often, so when you're scrolling through Instagram, for me, exam for example, so it has all the the, the tile format. There's yeah. lots of the pictures, mm. and every you scroll, and every so often, randomly, 
you will find a picture you want to click on. So you click People on it. People get a reward from likes and comments on their posts. Yeah. People post something. And, and, that, and that's totally random as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's random reward. It's mm-hmm. like gambling, almost like gambling. But it is. Gambling is a random reward as yeah. well. There's no structure to it. Yeah, when you post... And we love it. The, we love it. You post a picture of you hugging your dog. Mm-hmm. And then you're waiting then to see how many likes you get. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> Lots of people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, this might be wrong, but I think females are maybe more susceptible. And I think the other thing is, is it's that affirmation, isn't it? That you're getting that kind of, I don't know, that response from other people. And they like what you're putting on. The problem is a lot of these people, they follow these celebrities who groom the... They, they, groom their social media mm. it's not real it's like you're trying to live up to an unrealistic yeah, representation exactly. of someone that's their job though isn't it to look that way yeah so and they portray their lives in a certain yeah. way so if you had eight hours a day to do that then you know you probably would look that way yeah but we don't do we no because we live a life of drudgery <laughs> and burden <laughs> you gotta carry a weight exactly you gotta pick up a weight and carry it exactly and then you die. That's part of Jordan Pearson's Pearson. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Pearson. Town. <laughs> Jordan Peterson's philosophy. You got to yeah. pick up a weight and carry it. That's basically what his, his the meaning of life. Yeah, that's his. That is his. Whatever thesis. Yeah, that basically you just got to suffer, haven't you, through life? It's not as far. That's more Nietzsche. No. I don't know. I think that's his as well, really, when you get down to it. Um, no. The meaning of life isn't suffering. It's... <laughs> I should know this. Yeah, you've read it. <sighs> What's the meaning of life? Anything you like. Yeah, I'm not going to do it justice, so I can't do it. No. It's... Uh... Something to do with toast? Jam on toast is pretty good. I got four slices of white toast. No bread in. Oh, fuck. What are you going to do? I got two mini pepperoni pizzas. <laughs> oh, bread. At least Chicago town. The little ones are about 150 mil, six inches for your imperial fanatics. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's about six inches, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Is that what you tell her? <laughs> no, that doesn't make sense, does it? No. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> the angle you view it at anyway isn't it the angle of the dangle mm-hmm. <laughs> um penis chicago town two of them yeah mm-hmm. 25 minutes would you would you make them into a sandwich a, pe- a pizza sandwich or a penis sandwich Do you know what the problem with those chicago town pizzas in uh the pizzas <laughs> the problem with them pizzas is is it a pizza pie or just a normal pizza it's a pizza yeah but it's a chicago, chicago town sometimes yeah. they're a pizza pie and it has oh. a raised crust it's a raised crust. Yes, it's a pizza pie. All right, okay. The innards are molten. Yes, correct. You've got to eat the crust first. I remember my gran telling me when I was four years old, mm-hmm. you've got to eat the crust off the pie first. In 1986, <laughs> seven. Because by the, by, the, by the time you've eaten the crust, the innards are cooled down. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get sage advice like that? Uh, not that I can remember. I don't think I ever had a, a, a Chicago Town pizza until... This is pies. Pizza pie. Oh, pies in general. Yeah. All oh, right. Um, no. Very rarely 
sometimes I suppose actually I used to go and get like a meat and potato pe- uh, pizza, meat and potato pie, or a butter pie. Where would you go? Galligans. I think Lane we always, ends. we always went to Dean's, Dean's which yeah. is at Lane Ends. Yeah. Do you not remember Galligans? No. It's where um, there's like a scuba shop, a hairdresser. All oh, right, they're along there. Else there. Well, we used to go to the butchers along there. Yeah, Wilson's. I don't know. Yeah, Wilson's Butcher. Mm. Uh, Galligan's was my favourite pie scout. Right, okay. And all those kind of things have gone, haven't they? From along there. Um, there's Delicate Chicks. It's been there forever. My yeah. favourite butcher shop. Dean's is still there, isn't it? Yep. There's no. I don't think there's any butchers at Lane Ends anymore, though. I don't think so. Yeah, the butchers can't compete with the supermarkets, can they? Just for because their their meat. meats their meats too tasty. It's too, it's too if cheap. I go, if I go to the Preston Market and buy my meat, it's more expensive. Yeah, but it is miles better. It's worth it. Yeah, it is better. Chicken breasts are better. Steaks are better. The mince is better. The sausages are better. Everything's better. Well, we're fortunate in that we can make that decision. And choose. And I don't have to eat Richmond sausages. Oh, but they're, they're hardly sausages, no, though, are There's no meat in them. No, it's just... Sawdust. E- Eros and arseholes and lard. And, and sawdust. Mm. And teeth. <laughs> Fox teeth. Sweepings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Aldi Black Label stuff's not bad. Well, even I don't like... I, I don't like buying stuff in plastic. Why? Because I just, I, I, I just think it's... It's shit. You'd rather go to the butcher counter in a large superstore? Uh, no. Did you try that? I have tried that. It's still not as good as going to a butcher's on the market. No. Or, or a real-life butcher's. What is it, do you think? Why? I it don't know. I'd, I'd, maybe they butcher it better. Maybe it's hung. They get stuff that's hung for longer. Maybe they know the suppliers locally that are better. What about the health of the animal? That, that might have something to do with it. it. I suppose the thing is, is, it, is a lot of our meat industry or farming industry is not as bad as America. So yeah. like we wouldn't eat that kind of, in America it's quite common, isn't it, for it to be, uh, cows to be put in pens, fed grain, hormones, all the rest of it. And we, all of ours is grass fed largely, isn't it? All of our, like beef, for example. Not sure about, I don't think grass fed. But maybe like grains and stuff. Yeah. But st- not kept in pens and not given loads of hormones. Given antibiotics, though. In this country? Yeah. But apparently that's being reduced. Yeah, because we're getting resistance. It's, yeah. It works its way down the food chain. Exactly, yeah. And antiviruses uh, become antibiotic resistant. Mm. So, um, yeah. What's I got to say about that? <laughs> there was... Um, Another story that interested me this week. God, we're only at how far down the list are we? I don't know. Oh, my God. Um, we've done chicken pox knife crime. Chicken box. Chicken box. <laughs> uh, Volkswagen. Now, this is what, yes. You had an ad band. Right. Oh, is this about stereotypes? Yes. Oh, some, new, some new laws or whatever have come into force. Is it about women not being able to park? Uh, no, it's, it's far milder than that. Really? Yeah, I'd have to Google it. VW advert band. Um, it's showing me the actual 
advert itself. Uh, I was looking for a British newspaper there. Oh, The Guardian. First ads banned for contravening UK gender stereotyping rules. Watchdog bans VW and Philadelphia ads with bungling dads and passive women. Oh, passive women. Is that when you have an advert in a Volkswagen and the woman doesn't say anything when the guy's just like driving or cool? No, it's not. Two television ads, one featuring new dads bungling comically while looking after their babies. That's what I do every day. (laughs) What's interesting is that the company who put the advert said, we didn't want to put two mums and conform to the stereotypes of mothers doing all the childcare. Oh, God. <laughs> so we put two dads in, and you, so we can't win, no. in other words. Uh, to reduce stereo, stereo gender typing, <laughs> gender stereotyping, uh, the new rules introduced at the beginning of the year ban the depiction of men and women engaged in gender stereotypical activities to help stop, in quotes, Limiting how people see themselves and how others see them and the life decisions they take. Right. Uh, in the ad for Philadelphia, the Mondelez on cream cheese brand, two new dads were shown eating lunch at a restaurant where food circulated on a conveyor belt. While chatting, they accidentally find their babies are whisked away on it. Let's not tell mum, one of the dads says. So that's seen as negative stereotyping. Bungling dads. Mm. Um, Mondelez told the ASA it was stuck in a no-win situation, having specifically chosen two dads to avoid depicting the stereotypical image of showing two new mums handling all the childcare responsibilities. Mm. It's like they're just tripping over themselves. Mm. Um, the Volkswagen one was for the electric e-golf vehicle. Showed a series of scenes including a man and a woman in a tent on a sheer cliff face, two male astronauts, a male para-athlete, and a woman sitting on a bench next to a pram. When we learn to adapt, we can achieve anything, the text stated. Complaints said the ad showed men engaged in adventurous activities that unlike her male counterpart, the female rock climber was passive because she was asleep, and that the woman in the pram was depicted in a stereotypical caregiving role. Yawn. Oh, it was not that Volkswagen said it wasn't sexist and that caring for a newborn was a life-changing experience about adaptation regardless of the gender of the parent depicted. So, you know, it's concerning to see the ASA take on the role of morality police. <laughs> it just seems unenforceable, these new rules. The way they've interpreted them. This is this big push, doesn't it, for um, <coughs> having role models in the media that you can relate to at, at the moment. So, like having, you know, if you're a black person seeing black people on television doing things, you, you know, that like being a lawyer or being a doctor or president. Yeah, presidential. Mm. Um, or, you know, for a woman being like a builder or an electrician or whatever, something that's <laughs> stereotypically male. That kind of thing. That big push, I don't know why. Why do you think that is? It's some sort of search for equality, isn't it? Do you think that's what it is? I can understand, I suppose. You, I don't know, is it? I think to a certain extent, if you don't see people that look like you doing things that you want to do, then it, I suppose it makes it a little bit more difficult for you to see yourself. Unachievable. Yeah. But I think there's so much more going on than that. Isn't there than just 
having role models, I don't know. It's a very complicated one, isn't it? To just solve by banning adverts. Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah, there's a reason. I don't know if stereotypes have a basis in reality, though. Well, they do, don't they? They're just like an accentuation of it. Yeah, an extreme version of it. Yeah. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with stereotypes. Basically how your brain works through a schema. This is how things work in that schema. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd be overwhelmed by information linking back. That's what we talked about earlier. Your brain being a filter. Yeah. What do you make of this um, government of national unity? Bollocks. <laughs> That's what brings me on to what I wanted to talk about, which was Caroline uh, Lucas, Lucas wanted an all-female uh, cabinet because women are better at making decisions. Are the these ar- the quotes? Yes. I want an all-female cabinet. Yeah, because they're better. Because in her experience, when women get together, they can... They're easier to it's easier for them to compromise, is what this she said. Right. And, and then she got into trouble, not for saying that you know making that stereotype about um, men multitasking. Yeah, I know. Well, men not being able to come to a compromise. Right. Um, but the main thing was that everyone that she named in her female cabinet was white. There's no no people of color. That's oh, right. Diane Abbott. Yeah, she said she would have loved to have had Diane Abbott in her cabinet, but she didn't hold a currently high-ranking position in her party. Or so not only did she say she thinks there should be an all-female cabinet, she went ahead and named them. Yeah. Who she thinks they should be. Yeah, 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 yeah. It appears a bit sexist. Yeah, a bit sexy. Sexy female cabinet. I think it's... It, shouldn't it all just be done on merit? Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> Whoever's best for the job. Yeah. I don't think it matters, but, the gender. But that's the thing. So imagine, say, for example, Farage <laughs> yeah. came out and said, oh, fucking hell, the reason we can't make a decision about Brexit is because of all these stupid women are on the cabinet. And I shouldn't say stupid men, but, you know, <laughs> Farage would say stupid women, yeah. and uh, allegedly. and um, It'd be hung, drawn and quartered. Exactly. <laughs> and that that part of it about excluding men from her cabinet yeah. and then suggesting women as I, from I've only read about it not very widely it was hardly been mentioned no where's the equality in that the thing is there is no equality in life no because we live in a capitalist society and as a species there's no equality there's always someone stronger than you or in different ways better than you yeah so where I'm better than someone this else. This is why, going back to Jordan Peterson, it's about equality of opportunity. Yes, not exactly. Op- op- opportunity not, of outcome. Not outcomes. Not equality yeah. of outcomes. Op- equality <laughs> of opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the first way to do it, isn't it? Yeah. The problem is it takes time for... So talking about equality of outcomes, I spoke to a guy um who'd been on a tourist trip to um and i don't know if tom's probably talked about this when he talks about his trip and he went to north korea north as well korea. stayed in that hotel that has no 13th floor because that's where all the listening and the spies are listening on oh, your I thought they were just superstitious no um it, it, there's a secret floor basically and that's where all they're all anyway mm. um 
and basically he was talking to this tour guide and he said to her, he said, how many, ta- how many tours have you done? And she said, well, three. And how, you know, how often have you done them? And she says, like, maybe I've been doing it like 10 years, but I've done like three over 10 years or whatever. And basically what happens is at the beginning of the week, she goes to her party leader headquarters or whatever, oh, yeah. and she's allocated her week's work. Mm. So one week she's working in a field picking rice. One week she's doing tours for international tourists around Korea. Right. Another week she's working in a factory. Mm. Another week she's translating stuff. Yeah. And she says, basically, she said, well, how, he said, how do you speak English? She said, have you ever lived anywhere? Said, oh, no, no, no. Basically in school I was chosen to learn languages. That's what, what my aptitude was. Right. And she was taught. And she, I think she could speak, I think, English, Russian, Chinese and Korean, basically. And then one week she's working in factory. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, isn't it? So it's basically where they would need it. It's just that that's that kind of communist op- e- op- equal outcomes, though, isn't it? Yeah. That. And that's where it takes you, basically, the far left. Yes. And who would want that? Because, basically... <laughs> who? No, but who would? I wouldn't, but there are plenty of people who would. Because how you make... Um, yourself feel better i suppose it would change wasn't it how you feel good is basically comparing yourself to other people right so you know we talked about this as well this should be another one a jingle you should make for me where you're talking about in and out groups that's how you make yourself feel better is basically comparing yourself to other groups and saying you're better than them right it's not the only way you feel good though well well you're masturbating as well (laughs) right um that kind of thing. I don't think everyone relies on that, do they? A lot of it comes down to that, yeah. Right. Psychologically. Hell. Yeah. Subconsciously. No, consciously. Well, you just do it. We, we, well, I suppose subconsciously because you do a, it. It's not a conscious decision, is it? I suppose that you think, I'm doing this because I want to feel, I want to look better than... Well, no, it's not supposed that. I suppose you do what you're interested in right. and you meet people who are interested in similar things. So, like, we're interested in similar films, similar music, similar things culturally. Some of the things politically, right. and what we do is take the piss out of libtards, mm. uh, lefties, yeah. a little bit extreme lefties because I'm a little bit lefty, <laughs> a little bit righty as well. Um, but that's how we, you know, and that's how you sort of make you, you boost your self esteem by saying we're better than them because right. we think about this and this idea is right. Do you think conspiracy theories have an element of that in as well? Of course they do. I know something that most people don't. Sort yeah. Of thing. I bet that's a big, massive feeding a feeding factor into it, isn't yeah. it? I don't know. Of course it is. It's uh, taken off since the internet, hasn't it? 9-11 is probably the biggest conspiracy theory, isn't it? What about... One of the biggest. Area 51. Uh, that's a conspiracy theory that sort of came true, is it? Is it 51 or 52? Area 51. Is it? 52's <laughs> next door, that's the really secret one. Yeah, Yeah, because didn't they have to sort of admit that existed? Well, did the the Russians not publish pictures of it or something? I think in the 2000s, maybe. They had to acknowledge that it existed. Right, okay. Officially. Mm. Groom Lake, is it? A Groom Lake. Mm -hmm. The airfield there. I don't know. There's this thing on social media, isn't there, about raiding it? Yeah. Have you seen that? And the... the, uh, A million people have signed up for it. And the Air Force... 
tweeted something that <laughs> it is actually a real. So if you come, we'll fire upon you or something like that. The guy who put the original Facebook post. He put a, he put a, a disclaimer on, didn't he? Yeah, saying it was a joke. <laughs> I don't want to be arrested. Oh, but the latest development is that the guy who did the original Facebook post saying let's all go on Raid Area 51, mm. then a million people say they'll turn up on this day. He's trying to turn it into a festival. Oh, Alien see. Fest. That's a good idea. A- sorry, Alien Stop. Was it that all the way all, all along? No, you can't. You don't know ahead what's going to go viral, do you? you That's just, a good you, idea, you though. Is it? It. So if somebody contacted him and said, hey, have you ever thought about making this into a business opportunity? Live Nation. This is in America? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. So, no, not that would be cool if there was like a, a an alien conspiracy theory festival type place. Mm. Interesting. Uh, the other big conspiracy theory is JFK. Yeah. You know the the grassy knoll and the second shooter, second shooter, and third shooter, the bullet, the magic bullet. Yeah. So there was a bullet that ricocheted. Off loads of different things, mm. and I think they couldn't find it, and then it just appeared on Governor Colony's gurney, and it was in like pristine condition. It looked like it hadn't been fired, so it was like planted evidence. Mm. Don't know. And then he was shot, wasn't he? Con- yeah, JFK. Yeah. No, Lee Harvey Oswald was shot by Jack Ruby. Yeah, he never stood trial, did he? Mm. And then there's a Russian link. Right. Oh, yeah, he With was. Oswald. Yeah. Didn't he spend some time in Russia? Maybe yeah. he was a KGB. working for the Russians, trained in Cuba. Mm. That's another possible thing. Was he well, not, that's a weird. Was he not a Bay of Pigs veteran or something? Oh, 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 I don't know about that. That was a disaster, wasn't it? The Bay of Pigs. Um, the US sent the Marines over, didn't they? Uh, wasn't it? Wasn't it staged? I don't no. Know. No, no, it wasn't staged, I don't think. I'm trying to remember. Is it not a part of Cuba that they occupy America anyway? Guantanamo Bay? Yeah. Where they uh, take all the terrorists. That's what suspect. I mean. Have, so is that something that they took in the Bay of Pigs or something and just kept? I always, I've always I'm been a bit foggy, confused about that. Foggy about the, the Cuba situation. And how I've they have that bit little, little bit of land. It's, too mod- it's about 2,000 years too modern for me. Yeah. <laughs> modern history. The more history I read, the more I start going further back. You're looking for something, aren't you? Yeah. You're looking for the singularity. Like I started with like Romans and stuff, and then I started reading about the ancient Greeks, and then uh, Bronze Age. Mm. So like the end of the Bronze Age, and then I've been reading about Israel and the Old Testament, similar age, and Moses, and then I, I keep going further and further back. Like this, this book I'm reading, Prehistory Decoded, is about the symbols on Gebekli Tepe. Oh, you love Gebekli Tepe. It's, this is my wet dream book, this. It's about Gebekli Tepe, um, procession of the equinoxes, megalithic architecture. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's superb. And he reckons he's decoded the zodiac right. on Gebekli Tepe, showing knowledge of procession of the equinoxes. So there's, there's there's some way that it kind of matches up there. Do you know what procession of the equinoxes is? Something how it, it that's when 
is it not like on Stonehenge where it, on the equinox it kind of goes through two stones or something? Is that what you mean? No. No, when there's, if, if you look at sunrise uh, due east on the equinox. Pardon? Due east on the equinox, you're mm-hmm. looking east. Mm-hmm. As the sun rises, it's rising up into a constellation. Right. So for the last 2,000 years, it's been rising into Pisces. Right. The age of Pisces. Mm-hmm. We're now in the transition period between Pisces and Aquarius, mm-hmm. the age of Aquarius. The age of so the sun, if you look at due east on the equinox, the sun is rising in between sort of the gap between Pisces and uh, Aquarius. And it goes round. It goes round. The the 12 signs of the zodiac mm-hmm. goes all the way around to make a full rotation. So the last time we were in the age of Pisces Aquarius, mm-hmm. 25,000 odd years. Right. It's a very slow process. Um, in the Bronze Age, I think it will have been the age of Taurus. Right. So on the due east, on the spring equinox, the sun is rising into Taurus. Um. The thing is, right, for one degree of precession, it takes 72 years. Mm. It's like a human lifetime. Mm-hmm. And if you imagine the moon, if you're looking at the moon, that represents roughly half a degree of precession. So in 72 years, the difference is two moon's widths mm-hmm. on the sun where the sun is rising. That's how long this cycle is. Mm. And the way he's decoded the symbols on Gebekli Tepe shows that they had knowledge of this and they were indicating this, that they had knowledge of this. Yeah. I think there's some kind of... Do you not think there was just some kind of common... Or comes back to that thing you talk about, that common sort of ancestry of what you looked at? A lost civilization. Well, the thing is, is, if you think about what the sky would have looked like at that time when there was no artificial light except for maybe oil burning or whatever, tar, I guess, oh, yeah. or fire, wood, wood. Um, then the stars would have been miles brighter. Yeah. Probably would have also seen the, the Milky Way. Definitely can see the Milky Way. Um, so it would have been a completely different experience to what it is now. Yeah. Word. So, and then like, if you thought, if you had no knowledge of what the moon was or you didn't know what the sun was, then you would start to sort of look at that. And then over 72 years, you could figure out, hang on a minute. I remember 50 years ago, that definitely rose above that tree and that tree's still there and it now it doesn't. It's slightly different. Yeah. And then you have to transfer that knowledge to someone younger than you before you die. Yeah. But then you say, come and stand by this tree. When I was 20, it used to rise on the left of this tree. And yeah. now it rises just in the middle of the tree. So you would notice things like that, wouldn't you? But then you times that by a thousand. And that's how it works, isn't it? Plus you've got to be looking east. Yeah, but you would. Because you would, that's... So they have to work, how do they work out where east is? Because that's where the sun rises. It doesn't, though. It transits through the year. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> I suppose then, then you have to be fig- have some kind of notion of time then, don't you? I don't know, it's length, weird. Length of time. Yeah. So you must notice then the seasons changing is the first thing you notice, isn't it? I suppose it gets hot, it gets hotter, and mm-hmm. then it gets colder, mm-hmm. and there's a gradual dip. The days are longer, mm-hmm. and then the prob- you probably be able the to nights ca- are longer, full of terrors. 
well, the thing is, is we're very inquisitive, aren't we? So someone might have, for example... You've got to have the time on your hands to do all this shit when you're not hunting and gathering as well. Well, they... <laughs> Tepley, Tepley or whatever, were they not... Beckley Tepley. Were they not, um... Were they not beyond hunter-gatherers then? Were they not farming at that point? They must have been to build a fucking temple like that. Well, this has been the argument that you need agriculture yeah, surely. before astronomy. Excess. Surplus. The problem is, with this book, right, is that we're showing astronomical knowledge at the Chavot Caves in France. Right. And the other caves, Lascaux, mm. 40,000 years ago. Yeah, because it's we don't know, we know nothing, Jon Snow. I know. Because it's prehistory. But it's so f- interesting. Of course it is, yeah. We could have the whole picture wrong. Well, if if we evolved 200,000 years ago, that's the... Yeah. The given sort of rough, isn't it? Keeps going back. Yeah. Every 10 years, it goes back another 50,000 years. So say, for example, 200,000 years. Yep. So within that 200,000 years, there's enough time there for types of writing to go extinct and for tablets and wax scripts to to be reabsorbed into the earth, isn't there? Yep. And completely dissolve. Mm. So there's time for all of that to happen. Yeah. And well, for all of that written history to disappear. Well, if you leave a car out on the street in... F- Four or five hundred years, there'll be nothing left there. So maybe, you know, all these things, language, written text, all appeared earlier than what we think. It's just that it's all disappeared. We, we struggled to find the evidence. That's what I mean, because it's so long ago. And it would anything like that would have been written on stone. I know there's one that was done with, like, uh, vines, different lengths mm. of vines on... Yeah. St- tied to strings. Knotted string yeah. type things. Um Oh, I forgot what I was going to say then. Carved stone would probably weather. Um, this book, his prehistory decoded. He he describes it as like a proto language. Right. Okay. On the pillars. That's the other thing, isn't it? Like an evolution of language. What is interesting about Gebekli Tepe as well is it seems to have been. Well, it it was buried. Mm. I've never seen that. There are. It seems to be that these these circular stone circles mm. are made with these pillars, which are sporadic around. So maybe there's seven or eight pillar stones. And in between is newer, rougher cut stone, almost as if they were scaffolded it up mm. to leave it exactly where they are, then pillar stones. They need to stay exactly where they are and then bury it. You just think, what would motivate him to do that? Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? If if, if you just had a, for example, if you were worshipping the sun mm. and you had a um, an eclipse, a lunar, is it a solar Sol Invictus. eclipse? A solar eclipse. That would freak you out, wouldn't it? Yeah. They're rare events though, aren't they? So, but I think they're every few hundred years and it depends where you are on the Earth. But imagine if you had a full solar eclipse and you, that specifically was over in the area of Gepetli Tepli. Mm. Then you would think, oh fuck, he's pissed off. We've pissed off. We've pissed off the sun god. Have you heard of the Battle of the Eclipse? No. Uh, fuck, I'm gonna fuck this up. <laughs> I, I'm. I should know this because I've read about it so many uh, times. I want to say it was like maybe the Spartans, Greeks fighting Persians. I'm thinking maybe or Greeks fighting Greeks. Can't remember. But midway through the battle, there's a full solar eclipse, and it broke as a, they stop fighting, mm-hmm. and it the, a peace deal is broken, mm-hmm. brokered. That's like a really early, and when they work out the chronology, 
it actually happened. The Northern was an eclipse around that time, right. within a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that would freak you out, wouldn't it? It would, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> definitely would. And it just kind of happens, doesn't it? Slowly. It only takes like 10 minutes, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And then it goes across. Um, it's, yeah. w- it's weird how the moon is exactly the right size. Well, it won't be, though, soon. Because it? it's, it's going further away, isn't it? Eventually. But it's only like a couple of inches a year. I know. It's now centimetre a year or something, isn't it? That's something? chaos. You've got to have random chaos in the system mm. when you're creating a universe. Yeah. It can't all be order because everything would stagnate and die. Yeah. You've got to have some chaos in the mix. Mm. And the trick is to find that balance, isn't it? It's yeah, the yin and yang. Yeah, Dr. Malcolm. Dr. Malcolm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chaos theory does the trick with the drop of water. Mm-hmm. I'll take your hair now. And <laughs> does that. It's a creepy uh, mm. water Lecherous, drop. Lecturer, lecturer. Yeah, le- leching. Why the drop of water doesn't follow the same yeah. path each time. Mm. What's the butterfly thing? The butterfly flapping its wings. This is the thing, the butterfly effect. There's a famous book, isn't it, called The Butterfly Effect, which talks about a butterfly batting its wings on one continent causing a typhoon in another yeah. side of the earth. I think it's how one action creates a reaction, which creates a reaction, creates a reaction, creates a reaction. Feedback loop. Yeah, I think so. An exponential feedback loop. So like, the butterfly flaps its wings, which... Um, makes someone sneeze. <laughs> don't know. Does not make sense? It does. And then <laughs> they drive their car a bit faster. Right. They need to go home because they've sneezed, which puts more carbon dioxide into the air. <laughs> and then that makes it a little bit hotter and damper in Asia. And then it has to have a typhoon. It's bizarre. And that's how you do it. Something like that, I think. I wonder if CO2 has a net cooling effect. Right, so I think we need to end. <laughs> no, I, I do need to end soon. It is late. I've got Shit. to. I've got to, Might have to do a dream feed at half eleven. A dream feed. Force feed my baby. Sounds enchanting. Baby. Nah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on, outro. Hey, oh. big guy. Sun's getting real low. Oh. So slow. I know, I'm just, I wasn't prepared. It was a cold end in that. It was. What have I done? (laughs) (laughs) Right, thanks for coming, Amish Ben. I imagine the carrot was my penis. (laughs) We'll go. We'll adjourn for this week. See you later. Bye. Oh, I have got it turned up. Yeah.